It's Weekly Comics Monthly, the show that brings you your weekly comics every month. I am Jim Purcell. And I am Zach Hawkins. And we are back again for another episode. In this episode we're gonna is our 2000 AD episode. Uh, we are going to be talking about uh, 2000 AD Progs 1943 through 1947, as well as some Judge Dredd magazine action and a few other things at the end. Yeah, because we, this month um, was the last trade collection for Lobster Random, so we'll be talking about that a bit. It's a bit of an eclectic mix, but I am looking forward to talking about that particular. Yeah, me too. Um, uh, we'll, so uh, what's been up with you lately, Zach? Uh, I went away for two weeks. France, uh, weather was dire, but it was an otherwise lovely holiday. Um, Just a bit of rough weather? Yeah, but it was a bit crap, really. Uh, Sod's law, it was fantastic the week we came back. So, um, you know, what can you do? Going to Scotland for a four-day weekend soon, so... uh, The weather's better up there. Well, should be, but it's uh, Scotland, so... Take it as it comes. And um, what about things at your end? Oh, I've been basically just working and editing podcasts, although recently I've gotten back into uh, self-teaching myself some video game development in uh, Unity. Just uh, brushing up on my programming and playing around with uh, the developer tools that Unity comes with. Mm. Yeah, just... I, I'm, I'm struck. I, I was saying I have noticed that uh, Unity seems to become the go-to. Unity is useful because it's pretty much free to learn and then it's really cheap to license. So you get all you basically can use all the tools on a personal level for as long as you want to do whatever you want as long as you don't sell what you make. And then it's only like $1500 to get a license to publish what you make. So it's, yeah. it's so for for startup developers it's like the it's like the most cheapest option. And it's got the benefits of being well documented, has a large community, so you can get the help you need to get do what you want to do with it. Okay, and, and it's uh, also I'm, compatible across multiple platforms, including iOS, Android, and PC. So it, it ticks all the right boxes for just being a very, very user friendly, you know, developer toolkit. I see. It's not often you see a third party like that to be. Um so open about who it licenses with like you mentioned it's compatible with microsoft and apple yeah well you know, with the game engines typically the more compatibility you offer the better you are because uh i mean unreal unreal engine 3 and 4 both are compatible across multiple platforms um, oh i'm I trying see. to think of other and other popular engines right now but that's the only one that's jumping up at me um but yeah, it's it, it typically, especially these days, cross compatibility is a big seller in terms of developer tools. Just because you want to get your game out there in as many platforms as possible. Yeah, that, that, that's a fair point, I guess. That says that said, Unity didn't really have support for like Wii U until very recently, and I don't think it has like 3DS support yet. So it's it, it oh. is it is limited to certain platforms. It's it's not. You know, it's not on everything, but yeah. maybe in the future. But I'm primarily just playing around with it just to see what I can do with it. Right now, I'm just trying to build it so that I can have a character move in 3D, but in like a really rigid grid. Like, you can move forward, strafe left and right, and uh, turn around in like 90 degree um, circles. Circle, uh, yeah, so we can... Yeah, just like a really rigid grid, and I'm I'm actually having a lot of trouble with it. I've been trying to get some help online with it, but uh, 
I haven't got it my I haven't got it working properly yet. And this that's just like the most basic. My I, I learned a program years ago, and it's 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 all gotten very very rusty. And of course, the new programming languages these days, while similar to what I learned on, are a bit more robust than they used to be. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I learned on like C plus plus, and now we're on to C sharp. So it's it, it's the basics are the same, but the the syntax is, is has changed a bit. Yeah, it's I'm I'm really not too clued up on programming at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, I wouldn't know it from Adam really. It's like you always have the stereotypical image of what a programmer is like with binary codes and everything like that. Right. It's just I know it's not as ridiculously. Yeah, that's um, why we have programming languages to do all that, that for us. Yeah, it's it's. It's great that people have access to things like Unity to be able to program games. Um, there's even there, there's even simpler game development tools where you don't even need to program, but Unity is useful because it allows you to use programming languages to do what you want to do, but at the same time, it, it does mean you have to build everything from the ground up to do what you want it to do. Yeah. Um, what is that, um, what the, uh, I, I know it's Unity was used for the... Pretty damn popular online um, Attack on Titan MMO. Was it? Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I, 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 I only know the Attack on Titan uh, 3DS game, but I, I didn't. I, I guess there is a uh, MMO for it, isn't there? Yeah, it's. Um, I think you could get like 20 people on a server or something like that, but I, I don't know how you program a server like that. Oh no, it's, that's. Uh, I haven't even gotten that far. Online interaction is a whole nother ball of wax. I should imagine it's it's I failed GCSE IT so yeah it's not my forte at yeah, all. I went to school for computer programming but uh, I I wound up failing uh, calculus so that didn't really pan out. I'm just not very good at high level math which is a problem when you want to program. Ah uh, yeah, ditto. <laughs> it's uh, it's a horses for well not horses for courses thing. It's an Eva. It's a Marmite thing. You can do it or you can't. Yeah, you gotta have a nose for it. I mean, I think I do, but at the same time, the struggles I have with the basic stuff tell me that probably I don't. Well, it's, it's just, we're talking about programming here. I'm currently setting up a proper website yeah. for my blog. Right. When I, when I, when I, once it comes off its hiatus, I will finally upload <laughs> new material to it. I want to move away from Tumblr. Uh, because it recently had an update, which just it just makes it impossible to use. It's one of the most dire updates I've ever seen on any social media website really? ever. Yeah, it's it's it used to be everything was in a proper format. There was a uh, one, there was the text subject or the picture or whatever, and then if you wanted to um, look at the comments or expand on the um, subtext, you would open up a new window. Now it's using a forum base. Okay. Uh, so if you open up one window, it's like five times the size it used to be because every post has every single like or response or anything underneath it. I see. So it's it's ugly and it's just it's impossible to use. So I'm I'm thinking of just setting up my own website for it. But as I said, I can't program one, so I've had to get a mate of mine to do it for Right, me. yeah. Yeah, because I, uh, I, I know there's, like, I, I've only ever used Blogger to, like, build a build a blog 
because uh, yeah, and I, I guess I do do some stuff with the uh, with the well, I've been trying to do some stuff with the weekly comics uh, monthly uh, website, which is is based on um oh what is it based on? It's um, WordPress, which is yeah. like really dead simple. But even even that, I have like I struggle to like get it to do basic things like change the hat, change the uh, title banner. Because it is a little bit finicky with what it wants and what it can do. Yeah, that's just uh, mine's going to be on uh, Blogger, um, but I, I just I couldn't do it. I tried and it just wasn't possible. So I asked a mate of mine to do it for me. Um, it should be up and running round about November, round about Fort Bubble. I think I'll uh, kick it back in that way. I'll have something big to talk about. Yeah. Uh, but um, no other than that, just been enjoying a bit of downtime away from work. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, I think that's yeah. I think for an opening. So uh, 2000 AD. We're a bit. We're running a bit late, so I think we're going to do five weeks worth of uh, 2000 AD just to just to keep things rolling. So we're going to do 1943 through 1947. Kind of an interesting chunk of uh, issues. Uh, stuff that's been running since we started ha- is ended and a few new things have kicked off uh, okay. yeah it, it's been a, a pretty good month for the prog I think really outliers wrapped up helium's wrapped up Jaegers wrapped up had a couple of one shots uh, one the alienist came back which is an interesting choice yep. and we um, have the continuation of the dread epic um, which actually concluded. and the conclusion with the latest issue yeah. Really eclectic month. So I think we should go... Uh, we should uh, take a talk about uh, Jaeger's conclusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you uh, like how that shook out? Uh, it was a good character-building uh, story, this one. Right. Uh, the previous ones, I think I mentioned before now, actually might have been before, uh, before an episode or something, yep. Um, yeah, in the previous stories, it's all about taking um, the Rogue Trooper universe and um, seeing it from another angle. It from a different angle. We've never really seen it from the North angle before. Um, so now we have an entire series from the North perspective, a North main character, a North supporting cast, and don't really see much of the Southers. Um, this was the, the first two or three series were obviously just world building. Yep. Um, taking the pre-existing series and just building it from the ground again. Um, but this one was obviously more about exploring Italia Jaeger as a character, which I think worked out really well. Um, it continued to obviously use the Strigoi um, uh, genetic anomaly, uh, I guess. Anomalies and the, the, the mutation as a uh, plot device this time rather than as a actual um, threat outcome threat or anything like that. I mean, well, there was obviously the threats from it, but it was uh, it, the, the stakes here felt a lot higher because you put a lot more weight on Italia, obviously pulling through at the end of the day. Um, I did feel the Deus Ex Machina return of. Um, Oh, what's his guy? The veteran, her, her boss, basically. Uh, Colonel Nero. No, oh, no, the, he's uh, the uh, he's the guy that was the kind of the double agent for the people they were investigating. 
Yeah. Um, oh, I forget his name. Uh, uh, Storm Commander Kinsey? Yes, I think that was him anyway. It is her, um, Italia's boss, obviously. Right, he just but, comes riding in with uh, heavy firepower to save her bacon. At, at the, at, yeah, at the perfect moment. It's mildly too... Um, convenient? Convenient, yeah. Especially, well, she was running out of bullets. Well, she ran out right. of bullets. So it would have been more interesting to see how she could... Uh, or indeed... Um, Jaeger and the, the South uh, um, escapees could potentially have taken on the, the Strigoi hand-to-hand. Um, it, it would have been an interesting development to see um, all the South has just killed off. Like, they've gone through all yeah. this to be hacked down at the last moment. It's Yeah, um, I kind of had half-expected when the Calvary arrived that they were just going to mow down the Southers as well as the the mutants. Yeah. Because they're Norts. <laughs> yeah. I think this is what the series is trying to do, though. It's trying to prove that not all Norts are assholes. Yeah. It's just Only the, most uh, of them. Yeah. And then I think that's at its core why I'm liking the series, because Rogue Trooper has been around since, well, early, early days in the prog, since yeah. before... Uh, I'm trying to remember what his first appearance was off the top of my head. Uh, it's, it's, the Rogue Troop has always been a bit of a tough sell for yeah. me. It's always been the, the 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 weaker of the big three titles in 2008. Right? What is it? 2000 uh, Judge Dread, Strodium Dog, and Rogue Trooper. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Like the, the, it, they're like the three, I guess, most high profile you could say of, of yeah. all of 2080. And yeah, Rogue, Rogue then, Trooper's always been a hard sell for me too. I, I think it mostly had to do with um, with uh, Glenn Faraday and his writing style, he definitely had that old school war comic writing style, and it it never quite matured the way that Wagner did, or well, Wagner or or the others did. Oh yeah, or, or Pat Mills or, or anyone even like Pat that. Mills, yeah, his, his, he, yeah, he had a maturity period where he definitely got stronger. Um. Yeah, you, 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 you can usually look at a series like that and look at how someone's, um, particularly if it's, if it's a showrunner for a uh, for a particular long-running series, you can see it mature. Right. Uh, Wagner obviously working on and off for Dread for years um, matured. Um, but you can just look at the first five case files and see that the Apocalypse War is completely different then, like, to uh, yeah, the, the Luna One story yeah. or anything like that. And uh, slain the horned god is completely different from Warrior's Dawn. It's um, Rogue Trooper never really changed. Yeah, it was it was still Sergeant Rock or Rat Pack or any of those kind of you know pulpy Vietnam War, War and com- space comic. Basically, it yeah, definitely it, it, kept to the roots of the war comic genre that it spun out of from like Battle or or um. I'm trying to think of your other comics. Uh, Commando. Yeah, or, or Action or anything action, like yeah, that. It. it was... Um, it had, it yeah. had great world building. It had a great world and a great concept, but it always never felt like it took that next step to be the epic it, the epic franchise it was always... It could have been. Yeah, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and um, say... The first Rogue Trooper story that I really, really loved was 
Tor Cyan. Okay. And that one, oh, Tor Cyan, that's a spinoff, yeah. That, that, yeah, that was, they had, what was it, that uh, Space Hospital series? Oh, oh, uh, HVAC or Havoc or uh, Havoc 1? Mercy Heights. Mercy Heights, okay. Yeah, I just, just hit me then. It was, um, that was a relatively dull series, but I remember them obviously having the, I read them in the reprints when they were running in the magazine. Um, it was a fairly dull series, but I remember seeing Torsion as a character and going, is he linked to Rogue Trooper in any way? Right. And then they printed his uh, main series, where it was, where it was a spin-off. I think it was, Kev, was it Kev Walker on that Oh, yeah, I think so. I... Kev Walker drew a lot of that. He, he, that, that was, there was some fantastic artwork on that. It was a, I'd actually quite like to read it again. I might Do you remember if that was tied it. into the, re- the regular Rogue Trooper, or was that a Friday spin-off? It, I think it was a regular old trooper because um, Ro, um, Tor Cyan. Now this is the bit I can't remember. It was either his data chip or his body was Rogue Trooper. Like he had the whole cyborg eye thing going right. on. So I haven't actually I, read I, any of Mercy Heights or Tor Cyan, so I, I'm actually not yeah. sure about any of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I can't remember entirely off the top of my head, but the, the, the like Rogue Trooper became a legacy character. You had the original Rogue, you had Friday, and then you had Tor Cyan. But when you go and got to the end of Tor Cyan, which was like 2005-ish, it was fairly recently. Okay. Um, it's, you, you know, it felt like it had run out of juice. Yeah. Even though I love Tor Cyan, it's like you couldn't have continued it. It was at the end of its life. Right. So what I've liked about Rene, every time he comes and has a look at the... Um, Rogue Trooper verse, he does a different spin on right. it, which is why I'm liking Jaeger, because it's not just another Rogue Trooper continuation. It is actually an expansion on the universe rather than a direct spin-off. I really like the 86ers. Or, um, I get that wrong, not 86ers. It was, um, what was the name of that? 89ers? 89ers. I was a big fan of the 89ers when it launched. I really like the idea of having... Um, not only Southers, but also, like, Nort, um, uh, traitors in, like, a kind of, uh, Suicide Squad frontier type, like, yeah. place. Um, I still need to read it. Yeah. it I've, I've had the, sh- uh, the trade on my shelf for a while, but I've, I've still, I've not read it still. It's it's a good title from as you say from what I've heard, but I've just not had the chance to get around to it. Yeah, it starts out good, has a bunch of good mysteries. Unfortunately, uh, when Renny sort of like leaves, he leaves it hanging, and um, I think Wyatt finishes it in a pretty uh, straightforward fashion. It, it ends very quickly, gets tied up, oh, okay. tied up quickly. I'll- this was when um, um, Rene. Um, I think he went, on, uh, I think Ren- went on, hi- on hiatus from writing comics in general at that point. I'm not yeah. really sure what his situation was. Yeah, it's yeah. He did walk away from 2000 AD for about seem to remember. Yeah, that's when that, that's but, when that's um, when Cab's Inc was left hanging too. So it's about that same period. Okay. Yeah, that's that's. Yeah, that's well. Is is there anything in Jaeger this last five weeks that um, you've particularly enjoyed? Um, the art as always. Yard's always dynamite. Oh, Colby is best. Oh, he's he's definitely firing on all cylinders. I did like the ending. I, I liked the um the implication that we're going to see the confrontation with her father that's been building up this entire time. Yeah. Um. Her. Um. 
Jaeger's father's got a bit of an Angstrom Levi thing going on, hasn't he? Yeah, he's a he's a hard ass, but he does it because he wants the best. I, I was more referring to the fact that he's a bit messed up. Oh, you mean he's yo? Know, yeah, his uh, face is a bit messed. His, his face is all but a bit all over. That's the place. sort of something I've noticed in the series. Is everyone has physical scars. I wonder if that's in, intentional. That everyone is damaged in this. I haven't spotted that, but it's true. Yeah, literally all the main... Well, not all the main characters, because you've still got a few of Jaeger's crew who aren't scarred. Really? Because they're all either wearing masks or have, like, augmentation. I think maybe the only one is, like, the, the slimy one. Oh. I forget his name. I, uh, oh, no, Risa is the... Uh, oh. Ninja Lady. I don't think she's oh, no. Scottish. You're right. She has but a lot of piercing. You're right. You're right. She isn't. But she also wears a mask. So. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. So uh, With, maybe, maybe there's psychological scars. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, he has definitely got a look to him. Yeah, Jaeger's been great this month. As you say, Simon Corby's artwork's fantastic. He he draws. He does add a lot of new life. We were saying to like the whole. Vietnam conflict thing, it does look dirty and grimy and violent. Right. So yeah, he's he definitely adds a lot of life to the world, and I I really like it. The uh, yeah, up. I like how he like it's got the gritty to it, and he like the um the Norts have like a gothic architecture to them, so it's like uh like on the horizon you're always seeing like Dracula's castle type things because they oh, got yeah. that kind of uh, aesthetic to them, and I I just think it looks great. Nordland's moon looks a bit too big, though. It's space. Who knows? <laughs> Science! No, uh, it's just that last page, actually. The the atmosphere in the... the uh, um, I guess it's the dressing room with all the, the alcohol and the big fire and the massive skull above the mantelpiece and all that. Mm-hmm. Great atmosphere and a lot of great detail. It's like he's a hunter anyway, so just the detail of having this massive skull above the fireplace, it's like a trophy or something like that. Yeah. Like little character details like that are pretty neat. I do find it slightly frustrating, though, that he's yet another villain who's holding the glass in that way. Right. Yeah, but between your, the fingers like that, it's like, like some kind of James Bond villain. Yeah. I don't. It's a bit, I don't know enough about a, wine to know how you're supposed to hold the glass. No, I think it's just a stereotypical villain thing. I don't. I, minor niggle, minor niggle. But um, yeah, I kind of no. do hope he has a bit more depth than than what we've seen because he mostly just comes across as a hard bastard. Yeah. It'd be nice if he had like a reason for it instead of just being a grumpy grumpy puss. For honor. And Nordland, probably. Um, so, yeah, Outlier also ended. Oh, yeah, it did. And it yeah. definitely sets up for a, for a, for a third outing, I, I'd say. As our, uh, our, our quote-unquote hero from, like, the first series is now, like... Oh, no, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Did Call, Call got left behind. No, Carson got left no, behind. No, that's right. Carson, the other guy got left behind. Call is now like... Um, the main protagonist. Right, kind right. Of he's, he was the investigator from the first series, and he's just been kind of... He's been like being messed with in this series. 
and now he's gone full villain kind of thing. Yeah. That, that, that is an interesting turnaround because Carl, or at least his shadow clone thing, that it's not properly explained really, I don't think, um, was the villain in the first one. Then Carson and Carl are working together in this one. Right. Now Carter is working with the uh, the herd, and Carl is the main character in the next one. Yeah, I think that's a, that's that's an interesting turnaround. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that yeah. Now that you you spell it out like that, yeah, that is kind of an interesting uh, way to like resolve things. I did think it was all a little bit too convenient that um, the prison break was that easy. Right. Yeah. It's- as I've said before, the the now that we've seen the herd and what they are, it's just it, the, the the they don't seem as um they don't seem as um all powerful, all powerful as they were you know played out to be in the first one. Yeah, I agree with that. They have they they've just they've not got a lot of character or depth to them or. Or even a lot of motive, really. But I get that could be the point. You know, they're evil space aliens that kidnap and dissect. Or they're just they're, they're just alien. They just don't they don't think like we do. So, but that's sort of, that's yeah. sort of how I read it in the beginning. Is that they they were alien. They don't think like we do. They do these horrible things because they don't see any problem with it. But now it just kind of seems to be that they're violent and they need soldiers for a war. And it's just they're not very interesting to me. Yeah, this so it's uh that is exactly it really. It's they're not built up to be interesting. They're generic kind of um, evil dark aliens that um, abduct life forms and force them to fight for them in a indirect manner. Uh. No, it's kind of a shame. It's, it's also amazing how such seemingly all-powerful beings are overpowered by a bunch of prison inmates. Yeah. In an unorganized... Kind of breakout. Yeah. Yeah. Saying that, at least Carl Richardson gets to draw some really cool monsters in this one. Yeah. yeah I mean, that that's the thing, is that he's definitely being put to use. A lot of techno armor, a lot of monster teeth and... Green, all the green blood. Yeah, lots of like all the all the alien tech, all the the hologram stuff like that. Uh, color contrast is great with all the like the the human aspects being with like um, purple light and stuff like that, like in the final part, and then all the herd stuff is obviously green. I did think um, just obviously one more thing about. The, the actual plot before I talk about the art is uh, Carter's parents and Carl and co managed to get away a little bit too easily. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Do, do, does this herd prison not have like battlements or anything like that with cannons on them or anything? They seem to get away very easily. I don't know. It's all a bit, you know, <laughs> setting up for the next part really. Yeah. And that's, yeah. It's, it's kind of felt like that all the way through this, is that it's been set up for a third part, which um, is, is no no way to write a story really. Yeah, I, 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 there's been a there's been more than a few stories that kind of feel like that, that where the second story is generally not as good as either the beginning or the or the end. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say like <sighs> Age of the Wolf was like that. Oh God! Yeah, I didn't. I've still not read the first part of Age of Wolf. Okay. Uh, uh, the second part was like in the first year or so when I was reading the prog and um, wasn't impressed with it. And then the third, sorry, pardon me, the third part came along and well, that was a disaster. Yeah. Age of, Age uh, of Wolf is something we will need to talk about in the future because that that was. That was a that was a series that really didn't didn't um didn't pay off to its full potential. I felt. Nah, Werewolf Apocalypse. I know, right? Should have worked. Why didn't it work? But uh, nah, Outlier Age of Wolf to kind of sit on the same shelf as uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Misdirected series, missed opportunities. Yeah. Um, we don't talk about the one-shots very often. Did you read this, uh, Future Shot Cloud Nine with the art by John Higgins? Uh, didn't he script it as well? Uh, no, it's, uh, Sally Jane Hurst, who I don't know. Must be, uh, a new writer. It, it looks great. Oh, it does. Higgins is absolutely great at this, at this sort of, like, painted style. Hmm. I, I'm just reading it again. This is actually only the second time I've read it, so I guess I'll flick through it again a little bit. That first page with the little creature decomposing, yeah. and then these things popping out of it to eat the flies. It's, it's that kind of stuff that Higgins is great at. Do you know what I've read recently? Razor Jack, which was written and illustrated by Higgins. And it's more of this, kind of. Yeah. It's kind of the the really gory, unsettling world building, and you know all the violence and Razor Jack. Nasty. Where is that? Is that is that a comic book series or was that in two thousand AD? It was a two issue miniseries he published independently. I think Titan put a collection out of it recently. Okay, might be on Comicsology. Um, that that's a, that I'd highly recommend that. By the way, that. That's possibly something else we should talk about in future. That was a great, great little tale. Um, this, the, the, the future shock here isn't as good as you'd hope. It doesn't really feel like a twist. It honestly feels like a setup for something else. I mean... Yeah, only- I was a little bit like that when uh, the reveal for the... Um, I, I don't know if he might have been from something before. You know, it, it, I don't know. The design looks like it could be familiar, but at the same time, I have no idea. It's like... It's like a it's like a revelation panel, but I there's like I have no context to if I'm supposed to be realize anything, yeah. or is it just a future shock? Because you know these kids these 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 innocent fairy people are going to be slaughtered. So what's the twist? Yeah, it's that what they replace their heads every few years. It's that's not really it, a twist. Yeah, that's a setup. It, yeah. It's, it has happened before where future shocks or thrillers or anything like that have become ongoing series. Mm-hmm. Uh, survival Geeks, Indigo Prime. Yeah, that's I'm right. sure Indigo, there are a few Indigo other. Prime started as a, as a time twister, right? Or a past yeah. and perfect. Yeah, same kind of thing, really, isn't it? Even Alan Moore had a reoccurring character for his future shocks, so that technically counts. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do like the design of this, like the last page character with the with the with the robot body and the in the, oh, the borrowed yeah. heads. That's a good design. 
he's got a he's got a whole kind of cyborg skeletal thing going on. That's that is a cool design. Um, but as you say, it doesn't carry any kind of weight, right? Because because you're not sure how you're supposed to take it. Obviously, it's like oh the the poor impy human being kind of thing had its head taken off, and oh look, he's replacing his head with its own because he's got this spike technology thing. It's it, it doesn't feel like a conventional shock. It's just kind of it feels like a reveal, like a setup. Like you, you, I don't know how to take it. Neither do I. Yeah. Guess we'll see, or not. It would be interesting to see if it. It would be interesting to see it be a. Perhaps like a thriller. It could come back as a thriller and then just progressively set up yeah. to be a series. I could. See. I think that could be interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I just want more John Higgins in the prog. Oh, John Higgins is pretty good. He's um he's the guy who drew Freaks, right? And that's going to be in the mag- reprinted in the magazine next. Uh, yeah, next he did. I, I just remember that, and that's a that's a, that's a Peter Milligan story. I haven't read. Uh, I haven't read. So. Neither have I. It's I I read its sequel Faces because it was running at the time I started reading 2000 AD. I found it very confusing because I didn't have Freaks to go by, and John John Higgins wrote fr- uh, Freaks. Oh no, John Higgins wrote Faces. Uh, Bill, Bill, oh, I Bill, see. So Peter, Peter Milligan didn't return for Faces no, he then, did not. did Oh, okay. That was another case where the artist kind of took over doing the actual writing, like uh, like with Skiz. Alan Moore didn't write the sequels, the artist did. Oh, I see. And uh, they're not as highly regarded as a result. That's a shame. I know Faces is being reprinted the month after Freaks, so be interesting to see a reevaluation because... I don't know. I love Peter Milligan. I love John Higgins. There shouldn't be anything I dislike about right. it. Right. And also, John Higgins is a good. I, I mentioned Razor Jack. He's definitely a good writer. So I don't know. Take it as it comes. Yeah. But I, I am looking forward to that now. I didn't realize he he wrote the sequel to uh, Freaks. Speaking of one shots graduating to series, uh, we got the return of the Alienist. Uh, in um, what was it? Pro nineteen forty four. Um, interesting fact, when I first saw it was returning, I said, wait a minute, this seems familiar. Why can't I remember it? So I went back and I looked through all the, all of the Tharg's thrillers of the last year and I couldn't find it. And I realized, you know what? There were a bunch of one-off specials and I realized it was in the winter 2014, uh, special. Yeah. The big Halloween kind of, uh, special with the, the zombie dread on the cover and stuff like that. That was, that was an interesting, uh, experiments hopefully it was kind of an interesting place to stick it though because i noticed in like on the forum a lot of people didn't realize that this was a continuation that yeah. this was like they were treating it like a new strip and so they were slightly confused about the setup where i actually got that because i one of the first things i said was oh i'm really glad the alienist has come back and some people said hang on what this has been it's there's been another series of this when was that it was just kind of like Winter 2014 special, people. Yeah, I can. I, it obviously, it's a forgettable premise. Well, that's which is a premise. Well, some people seem to have just forgot about right, it. Yeah, because it just kind of got sque- squeezed into that 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 one shot. And I bet a lot of people didn't even get it. Quite possibly. Uh, I I think if it had been published in like the uh, the end of year prog, the big annual yeah. special, which it usually kicks off the beginning of the right. year. Um, would have left more lasting. Would have remembered it. Yeah, it would have been a more lasting impression. 
anticipation yeah. for its return at least. Yeah. Um, I like it a lot. Um, it's definitely got massive Doctor Who vibes. Yeah. About, you know, the alien that comes to Earth to investigate strange goings ons and using her. She's a her main her main gimmick is that she is a uh, she's got uh, telepathic powers so she can influence people's uh, minds and their perceptions. Yeah. And of course, being that she's taken the form of a woman in the Victorian era, she has to have a man as her patsy to be to be the person people yeah. listen to. Basically, <laughs> that's one thing I really like about it um, is the fact that uh, Vespertine is the she is the main character, but she has to use Reggie as a puppet almost. I mean, she doesn't possess him or anything like that, but she, she like, pays him to do this. And they've got this whole kind of mutual respect thing going on. I think the two characters have got a, a fun chemistry from the get-go. I think that could obviously work for it in the long time. It's actually kind of funny but, how, really, the, the title of the series is his name. Yeah. Not, but, it's, and it, well, but she's the one with the actual knowledge and expertise. Hmm. I don't... I'm, I, I'm gonna have to check this up, but I didn't realize an alienist was an actual thing. Is it? I, I just thought it was a funny name. People are treating it like it's like it's some kind of real thing. I'll just give it a quick check. But um, alienist. Oh no, it isn't a real thing. Okay, it's a reference to a novel. Yeah, I just it is it. Yeah, it's a reference. Yeah, a crime novel. By some guy called Caleb Carr, published in 1994. There's nothing here about it being an actual thing, but some people were talking about it in the strip as being like, "Oh, there's an alienist." Well, it's well, I mean, during that time, and like what this story is presenting is that there were a lot of like, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like. Mysticism, mystics, mysticism, and, uh, and people yeah. applied a lot of different like hokey names to themselves to describe the, the the type of brand of mysticism they were all about. So really, there isn't a lot of there. It's not a huge leap to 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 have a a person come and say, "I'm an alienist. I believe that things are caused by aliens," and you know, not yeah. and just be part of that whole mysticism scene. Yeah, it's it's a good little name. It is. It's certainly a memorable name. I think the the one thing that lets this um, lets the premise down the the kind of dandy Victorian um, drama is it bears a little too much of a resemblance to um, Ampney. Yeah, Ampney, but also oh, what's it called? Oh, that series about the ghosts and uh, oh. the ghosts. Dandridge. Oh, Dandridge. Spassky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, 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 yeah. That's one that's not been around for a while, but at the same time, it's still kind of ongoing. Yeah. Both yeah. both those and Alienist are ongoing, so we have three Victorian dandy type Well, Dandridge serials. is a, a alternate reality steampunk, because I believe it also takes place in like uh, 2000, like modern era. It's just it's an alternate reality where... Oh, Where technology is all built off ghost power. Yeah. That's like the, yeah. the whole premise. 
Yeah, but the main character is like the ghost of a Victorian or something right, like right, that. Right, right, exactly. So. And, and Victorian like uh, ideals never really died off. They kind of persisted through till to modern day. Yeah, uh, it's. I think Alienist suffers does suffer a little bit because of those two, obviously still being around. Right. I think this. I think this is a little bit. I, I say this. It's, it's it's a little bit more grounded because those other two. Um have got at least are or have gotten a little bit more out there um i mean anthony cruz uh, is, is is jumping between dimensions right now oh and, yeah and uh dandridge yeah. like i said is like a is a steampunk type dealie whereas this is just kind of a, a a look at like the mysticism of the victorian era only it's alien invasions that are kind of causing all of these like phenomenon yeah it's yeah it, yeah, I guess it works. It's I, I don't really understand at the moment what the the, the things that live inside the um, the house that uh, all these bizarre individuals have found their way into. Because obviously the whole plot to this serial is that it's a bunch of newspaper folk are trying to set up some kind of story um, by bringing a lot of Mister um, Mysticists kinds of there's a uh, there's a bishop, there's a psychic, uh, a, seanist, a psychic, a seer, a seer, and a guy who obviously just dismisses the whole thing. Yeah, the realist. Yeah, the photographer, and obviously our two main protagonists turn up in the end. Um, well, there's an interesting bit where um, you see, um, oh, what's the word? Um, in uh, second to last current issue. Uh, okay. Um, 1946. There's like this duology where, um, Re- you said his name's Reggie, and what's her name? Yeah. I-, I missed her name. What's her name? Um, it's Vespa Time. Vespa Time. They're both leading their individual parties through the mansion, and both halves are like describing two different like legends about the house, and they're completely different. And then at the, at yeah. the end of the latest episode, it, they tell us that the mysteries around this house. Have are are complete. I have only existed for like a week. That that that, yeah. that all these all these old stories never existed. But these people all believe them. But they all believe different stories. Yeah. So like, there's this weird thing going around going on about the house. I think the house is creating the 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 um, whatever's going on in the house has has drawn these people here and put like false memories into their heads. Yeah, something something like that. It might not even just be that. It might be that it's. Um, you mentioned the whole Doctor Who theme. It could be some. They've heard these stories like in the papers or something like that, and people's memories can often play tricks on them. They, something they've only read a couple of days ago can feel like years ago. It, it, it there could be some kind of like trick or twist or anything like that. The thing living in the house could have a lot more influence on the world in large than just the the house could be some extra dimensional monstrosity that's uh, actually got quite a um quite an influence it'd be interesting to see um ju- just what the extent of the creatures that live in this universe are right because you, you you did the Doctor Who comparison because Vespertine's whole kind of species thing is very Time Lord-esque. Right. Seems like her job is to investigate this stuff, and for whatever reason, she's, like, stranded herself. Well, 
She stranded herself here based on the previous story because she gave up part of her power to an alien entity to leave the Earth alone. So yeah. she's weak. She's in a weakened state from her from her what she her potential is because she willingly gave up a chunk of her her, her power, which is why she has to use um use um. Shoot, I keep forgetting his name. Uh, Reggie. Reggie. Has, that's why she has to use Reggie in the first place. Because she, she yeah. can't keep up her, her, her mental, like, illusions to, like, make people do what she's, believe what she says on her own. Um, but anyway, yeah, it, it will be interesting, like, this story to tell us, like, what the circumstances of, of the world actually is. Like, what kind of alien entities there are. Yeah. Um, before we move on to another strip, um, one thing I want to say, the artwork... Oh, yeah. I've never seen this guy before outside of the alienist. Um, how do you pronounce his first Eowyn? name? Eon? E- Eon? Uh, Eon, oh. This is turning into how do we mash up someone's name monthly. Uh, Eon Kovny? Kovny? Kovny. I think. Yeah. Uh, but... He's something. He is a he's a proper little talent, and I'm surprised he's not propped up in 2000 AD before. He might have yeah. done, but um, as this this is I think as far as I'm aware, this is his first ongoing series. Right. And he's a he's a great little talent. Oh, yeah. The amount of cross hatching. Just so much, wow. so much mood. The people the people all look great. Backgrounds all look great. Like Everyone's said, visually distinct. Yeah. Just, just absolutely a treat of an artist. I, I really do, ho- do hope we see more of them in the future. Yep. I think uh, the way he, in comparison to certain artists, he's got a much better grasp on shadow. He, he, everything looks very three dimensional. Cracking. It, it, it suits the series, I think, because it does look like a series of those old Victorian vignettes. Yeah. Uh, with like the old hyper detail and everything like that. It's it's it fits very well. It's a good match. But no, it's it's a very good little series, and I do hope to see more of it after this one. Yeah, we still got a few more it chapters to go. Place. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot that there's a jumping on prog in um, uh, three more. I think it's yeah, 1950. Yeah. So it'll wrap up relatively soon. And I think that's a good thing. It's better to have something short and sweet and wanting more than uh, sticking around. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I'm one thing I was surprised to see wrap up quickly was the latest Judge Dread. I, I actually thought it'd run a bit longer than this. Yeah. Enceladus, Enceladus, I don't know. I think it is Enceladus, but um, the first thing um, about... The first question? Well, not the first question, is uh, the surprise return of Dirty Frank. Was that a surprise, really? Well, it was a surprise for me. I wasn't expecting it. Right. Which is probably a bit thick from me, because it is written by Rob Williams. But, um... Now, I, I love Dirty Frank, so it was it was great to have him in as a comedic um, sidekick almost yeah. to Dread. Yeah, well, well, partner, I'd say. Yeah, and um, what was also pretty amazing was that the um, Dread was pretty fucked up by the end of this oh story. Oh my! Yes. Yeah, napalm, bloody burns, 
all down him. In a proper dread fashion, he does not let it keep him down. Uh, he, he looks pretty bad, though. I f- <laughs> looks pretty bad. Rob Williams knows how, how to fuck dread up. After what happened in Titan and this. Uh, but um, the one thing that I, I am really confused about is what the bloody hell is going on with the Where horse. Where did that horse come from? I, 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 I don't know. Question. I have been told that it is a link to a magazine story called... What's it called? The the Man Comes Around, I've been told, is what it is. That must have been published in the six months or so when I wasn't reading the magazine because I was skint. So I think I need to go back and buy that. It might explain what it is. It just came out of nowhere. I have no explanation. I, I thought it'd be like a, some sort of like tie into what whatever was going on with Nixon and her pals. I thought it was like, uh, I don't know, some competing alien race or something. But it was like just a horse in Mega City One in these conditions. It was <laughs> I was perplexed. It does give way for an awesome closing panel, though, of Dredd just riding in. Oh, yeah, it looks great. <laughs> Dooting. Dredd riding a horse? That, that's perfect. Why? Is I do find it funny, though, that some people were complaining, oh, when did Dredd learn to ride a horse? Um, it's, it's Dredd. Not knowing how to do something is not going to stop him doing it. <laughs> nah. I think one thing I would like to say, though, Henry Flint... I, d- don't let Marvel or DC ever get Henry Flynn. Well, they tried. He, he did. A, did he they? did a few stories for DC. He did. Oh, did he? he? Did a, a Mega Man miniseries, and he did a Haunted Tank revival. Really? Yeah. That, that must have been some time oh, ago because yeah. I've never heard of that. Yeah, they didn't take. No, that's uh, that's good. The more Henry Flint we have, the happier I am. I'd quite like to see him do something like um, a Vertigo series or something like that, but so long as he stays, like, away from Marvel or DC and stays indie, then I'm, I'm happy. But, um, no, I, he could write Dread from now to the end of time, and I would be a very, very happy person. Yeah. He seems to be the Dread artist. Alongside, he's certainly the Dread artist for my youth. I know a lot of people talk of, like... McMahon and Bolland right. and Kennedy as being like the the people they think of when they were young and they were reading 2008. For me, it's Henry Flint and Ben Wilshire. Yeah, well, those are the throw it, those throw it, are the throw two it, I think. Of. McNeil, that's about right for me as well. Yeah, those are the two I think of when I talk about 2008 when I started. Um, <laughs> Flint's just the best. Everything. It's like that last cover for 1947. How atmospheric and great is it? Everything he touches is just awesome. Awesome guy. See, that's the thing about that. That that cover makes me think the horse is made of ash. So, like, it's like some sort of opposite to, like, the the ice aliens. But, I don't know, it never never really comes together to be explained. Well, it's... There was a Rob Williams story a while ago, I seem to remember, where there was a conversation where there was, there was some kind of hallucinogenic kind of suite or something going around, and everybody was having, like, visions. Dredd took some, and he couldn't have an hallucination because of his cybernetic eyes. Right. So, 
whatever the horse is, it's not a metaphor for something. It's some. It, it is actually a horse, right? Because it gets chopped up. Oh yeah, that yeah. no, that was that made me sad. I don't like seeing shit like that. Yeah, but um. Well, and, and Dredd didn't like it either. He actually takes the time to say no. With the horse. No. He liked that horse. It, he wanted that horse. Is it wrong that every time I see an elongated no, now I instantly hear it in Darth Vader's voice? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's. Do you remember? It, this, I think this is in Case Files 3. There was the mutant horse that could talk yeah. and. It was the whole spider... Um, out in the Cursed Earth, right? Harvest. Yeah, out in the Cursed Earth. Um, my theory, until I actually read the story where the, 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 the bloody thing was introduced, is it's a descendant of that guy. Yeah. It's, it's, there's probably a whole massive herd of horses out on the Cursed Earth, like travelling from one end of America to the other. That'd be cool. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it could have come from the Cursed Earth because this whole thing happened on the wall, but I don't know. It's just, I, I hope there's like a follow-up to explain the horse. Yeah. It's some funeral for our fallen hero. <laughs> it's, yes, a puppy got one, so the bloody horse deserves one. Um, it, as I said, I think I need to read that story when it was apparently introduced, so that should hopefully make it clearer. One thing I will say about future stories after this is I don't want it to be like other mega epics where the next, literally next week, Dred's fighting some kind of gang war or something. Oh, we, we need we we need to see the repercussion of this. This is near day day of chaos level. Yeah, the whole city like, got frozen. That's a big deal. And they nuked another two sectors, so there's probably like I don't know, three hundred people left yeah. in all of Mega City One. Before we know it, it'll just be Hershey, Dread, and Dirty Frank. Be okay with that. Oh, hang on. Be okay with that. Dirty Frank got a promotion in this, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. Chief Judge Dirty Frank. You know he's the only man for the job. He's the only one crazy enough to do it. Yeah. I love Dirty Frank. It was nice to see Henry Flint draw him again. Yeah, that's true. I, like... that's, that's actually very true. Uh, Henry Flint hasn't drawn Dirty Frank since uh, early lowlife. Yeah, when he created him. It looks different, though. Well, he got half his hair burned off. This time round, yeah. I like it how Frank actually decorates his dreadlocks to look like a Christmas tree. Ah, yes. Um, I guess we can uh, we can safely put to bed that Judge Nixon is dead. And yeah, she is she's never coming she back. Ain't... Or is she? Or is she? But she is she is an absolute mess now, and I I I can't see her coming back from this at all ever. I'm trying to work out what the oh, what was his name the expedition judge the archaeologist. Yeah. He went down into the core of Enceladus and he found the remains of the Titan inmates. Right, and of course the the, the life force of Enceladus was giving them new life. Um, it's a little bit confusing though what he actually shot to kill all the 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 um, the ice clones. I think he was just blowing up all the pods to to like disconnect. Yeah, them. it's a little bit of a disappointing end to. That's kind of my that was my <laughs> predicted ending for, as soon as this character was introduced was that he was going to go yeah break something that connected to them and that was just going to end it and that's exactly what happened and 
So that was a little disappointing that that's how it ended. And talk about convenient times to do it. Yeah, well, as soon as Dread was about to die, uh, it's obviously now this is all out the way, out, out, out of the way. Rob Williams is probably going to want to focus on the only other remaining Enceladus or Titan plot thread, and that was when Sinfield uh, Sinfield right. got right. got abducted by um, East Meg. That's two. right, he did. Judges, because um, he, he was the only guy who survived. It actually confused me a little bit because that's just explained it to me now. Those Titan judges that were in the pods, I was thinking, were those the guys who got blown up in Mega City One? Because how is it possible that they're there? It, it, it's obviously now the, the the judges that stayed on Enceladus and were massacred by the soft judges. The soft judges, yeah. It's a that's why Amy Nixon was in the best condition because she she wasn't there to get shot. She went down into the core right. of Enceladus. So it's it'd be interesting to see if she did somehow survive. But it's I'd, I think that's the whole point of this story. This is her. She she actually died in the last story. What we saw of her this time was what was left of her. Some, something else. Yeah. It's yeah. Well, it's like that last panel of Dread stamping on the the Ice Clone's face. It's just like, well, she's gone. That's it. I think I read somewhere that there's another series of Low Life, either at the end of this year or sometime next year. So it'd be interesting to see if he carries over any kind of repercussions into that. Who knows? Yep, yep. I think you're right about the whole uh, naming convention. We'll see. Mm. It's um because the thing is with low life now it's tied up its plot threads with the yakuza and all that right and the last series was part of trifecta right so when low life comes back it's got a whole new slate and a whole new thing so carrying on enceladus into low life seems to be the best option right rather than just starting a whole new thing afresh when it doesn't really feel connected to the rest of dread world I think that I think I think what Rob Williams is doing is a good way of linking all the events of Mega City One into one story. It I'm liking what direction he's going in with it now. So, but it'll be without Amy Nixon in future. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> I guess uh, we'll have to wait and see. I'm definitely looking forward to the return of Low Life. It's always been a great favorite. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, um, I think that's about. Oh, oh no, we want to wait. We're gonna we're gonna wait on talking about the dark judges for next time. We want to wait. Till oh yeah, all four chapters are together, and then we'll talk about them as a whole. I, I think we. It's, a, it, it's an odd little idea for a mini series, yeah. but I, I think it'll work better when we just talk about it all in one go. Yeah, as four s- small separate stories rather than we'll just talk about Fire and Mortis now. Uh, oh. Tell you what, I wasn't expecting Grey Area to come back so soon. Yeah, this does kind of feel like uh, get some of these one-offs out of the way before the jumping on prog go, which unfortunately happens to a lot of Dan Abnett strips. Now that I think about it, yeah, it kind of gets tail-ended into all the uh, the short runs. Really, I am kind of glad that they're finally getting some traction in getting this alien race to believe them that their world is about to get eaten. 
Oh yeah, it's good to get some progress on that because the last uh, last time Gray Area was here, they seemed to spend a lot of time just trying to trying to get them to understand. Yeah, and then in one part, they finally got them to cooperate yeah. on the uh, the matter, or at least consider it. I think it's nice that we've got a little kind of like um, oh, dirty dozen type team going on here to go and investigate the God Star. Uh, landing pod. Yep. So you, you've got um, human, big tough human, human. Uh, this is the problem with grey area. It's already got a lot of characters, and I can't remember any of yeah, them. Yeah, that's the heart. That, or, and, and unfortunately, as great as Mark Harrison is, he doesn't do a great job in making the characters distinct enough to keep track of who's who. He's great with the beasties. Oh yeah. I, and I think the the uh, what they're called. Oh, the, the the life forms that govern the grey area on this world. Right, I don't know their names. I think the harmonious free. That's it. That's it. The, the, I think they're all very oh, yeah, distinct. Yeah, you can tell. You can tell resting bitch face from um. Oh, what's his name? The other one. Compelling male muscoda. That's it. You can tell them apart. At, at, I at, love at, those at, names. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's a great pun on translations. Um. Obviously, translating an alien's name into English isn't going to work out properly, so they just go off like descriptive words rather than an actual name. I think that was, I think that's a great pun, and I think it's just funny that we have a we character all know called Dan, 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 if, if 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 it can be made a pun, Dan, Ab, Dan Abnett will use it. Yeah. It's the only thing that's been keeping Sinister Dexter afloat for years. Oops, sorry. Power of puns. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing I think is coming back fairly soon. I really Sinister hope so. Dexter. I like Sinister Dexter. I really want to see where the, the latest arc is going, and it's been gone way too long. Uh, it, it, I, I seem to remember it is coming back this year, so we've got the jumping on prog soon. So it'll, it'll be part of the next like quarter, I think, of the year. But it'll be back before Christmas, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Grey Areas and Sinister Dexter... I don't think Grey Area is going to be the next Sinister Dexter. Like it's going to be dragged on. No, and on. I, I also feel that it, it won't. Be, it, it just it won't be able to sustain that sort of distance. I, I would like it to be given a better chance than it has. It's 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 always had an odd scheduling. Like the first year it was around, it was around all the time. Right. All given year, it, yeah. Given it shot in the arm, it got pumped up, and then ever since then it just kind of gets shoehorned into whatever open slots there are leading into whatever either end of the year or jumping on prog. It never seems to like get that push in like start yeah. of the year or jumping on prog. It just sort of seems to be a, f- it basically is treated as glorified filler half the time, which is that. Yeah. That's the shame. I think, I think it really does need a, t- uh, a 10 to 13 parter or something like that, just to make it, it, it you know, it sh- get, get, get a footing, it sh- get something more substantial. Out. Just shoved in with the thriller, the Tharg's thrillers and the, in the, in the, and the future shocks. Yeah. It's better than that. It is better than it, that. It, it does deserve... It's grown on me. When I first started it, I thought it was a bit kind of a meh, a bit blasé. But it, it's grown on me. It's a, It's not offensive in any way at all. Um, I know one or two people are a bit unkind about it. They find it boring and dull. I don't think it's ever boring or dull. I just think it doesn't have... Uh, oomph for want of a better term. 
it doesn't it doesn't make me excited for its return and it doesn't make me feel like I need to put any kind of faith in the characters or anything like that. Um, okay, so yeah, other than that, uh, I think that's it for 2000 AD this month. Yep. Um, I guess we should talk about the magazine really quick. Yeah, I'll try and get that one as uh, quick as possible. Uh, do you want to talk about... Well, first thing, uh, I, want, first just... thing I want to talk about really quick is, remember last week when I said that um, I couldn't imagine what Lawless would look like in color? If, 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 oh, if yeah. Lawless was in color, like the cover is being painted... The whole time, I could totally, well, I would love that. I could see that. Oh yeah. I really like. I don't know who colored this cover, or I, it's probably the main artist. It's probably just, uh, uh, yeah, Phil. Uh, Phil Winslade. Yeah, he yeah. painted it. Yeah, if he painted the whole series like that, that'd be awesome. But I can totally. That would be I awesome. can totally see why he doesn't do that. It would be very time. Painted artwork for comics, obviously, is very time-consuming. The only person I think can churn it out is Simon Davis, yeah, who turns out quite a lot in quite a small amount of time because the man's a machine. So, yeah, I can I can totally see why Phil Winslow doesn't paint the whole thing and instead goes for his uh, um, more conventional comic artwork. I'm really I'm really liking I like his artwork in general. It's it is great, but um, I don't I don't think having it painted would make it any um, better or worse. Right. I think one thing he has really got the grasp of is how to make people visually distinct. Yeah. So you have the whole church scene with the robots and the people. All the robots are distinct. All the people are little details make them distinct. Um, in the hands of a lesser artist, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure Lawson and Pettifer would have been identical, more or less. Yeah, unless they're like but, extreme um, close-ups. Yeah, but um, they, they are. Lawson is obviously very tall and lean, and Pettifer's quite short, dumpy kind of. Yeah, but um, he's got a good grasp on character design. And he's just a very good artist all around. I think he photo-references a little bit, which is why everyone looks realistic. Everybody's... no, There's no kind of bizarre posing or all, anyone looks awkward or anything. I do think there's a lot of motion going on, though. He's very good with making characters not look static or boring. Yeah, like when all the robots turn to see who's come through the door, you definitely get the sense that they're all turning to see as opposed to, like, just having been sitting there the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> they're, all, they're all kind of leaning over. Definitely sense of energy there. Yeah. Now, yep. this uh, chapter of Lawless is pretty good in general. Move things forward as it does. I'm still a little bit confused about the psychic guy in the prison cell. I'm not I'm not entirely sure what was going well, he's, on. He's, with a, his he's a side judge, and he is out of his gourd. He's or, nuts. Or he's not. He's def- I'm wondering, this is a spin-off of Insurrection. Could this thing he's having visions of... It sounds like something's coming. Could it be the Zind? I think I think it's probably something... You know, that's not a bad thought. I haven't even thought about the Zin. Could Because they're, they're still knocking about. They, they weren't wiped out at the end of Insurrection, or at least I don't think they were to my memory. 
there was way too many of them to have been like wiped out in one go. Right. So it'd be cool to see them come back um, like that because they were awesome villains, awesome little alien beasties. But um, it'd be interesting to see Lawless obviously get a lot more big scale because this I think this is its biggest strength at the moment. West Insurrection was all about the weight of conflict. Lawless is all about individual um, human crime, individuality. And I think that's why it's working, because all the characters are unique and special. It's like you've got the little the little pickpockets, the little bounty hunters, and then you've got the big business um, scammers, schemers, who are obviously pulling strings all the while. Um, What's yeah. Oh yeah, brotherly. Brotherly, what? Oh yeah, yeah oh brotherly. Yeah. It's obviously something big brewing there. Well, you you, they're the mega, they're the local mega corporation. If they're not sinister, there's there's something there's something wrong. Yeah. Which is actually kind of unfortunate as to why. Um, Rene's current dread story is very similar in that respect. The villains are the uh, the company. Well, they're also months, aren't they? Yeah, that's funny, actually. Both both companies are for months, and uh, they're both corrupt in some way or another. With Dread and Lawson not being dissimilar, except Lawson flirts a lot more than Dread. I've noticed that. Why is Lawson actually on the uh, the 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 bad rock? Why is she on the the the? Um... Why? I think that's the big mystery. I think the, the 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 current theory is she's not actually a judge. Oh. Okay. You may notice she never ever uses her lawgiver. No, so it's not she keyed to her DNA. It explodes. Mm, I hadn't noticed that. She always carries some other gun that she uses. Yeah, she, always she uses the Widowmaker a lot, doesn't yeah, she? she carries her Lawgiver, but she never uses it. Hmm. So the theory is she may have, like, taken somebody's place who's supposed to actually be here. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Uh, right, I think that covers Laws, um, Lawless. Um, what have you been making of Demon Nick so oh, far? Oh, it's so good. It is. It's pretty great. Um, I, this this episode, this uh, this chapter actually kind of implies something that wasn't quite spelled out in earlier ones, where these demons from hell are actually a public thing. This is something that happened in the past, and that p- the average people are aware of. Yep. Which does sort of it, change things on, contextually with what's going on. Yeah. It also, it's not just demons and humans. There are witches. There's the uh, the whole kind of Christian anti-demon movement. There, average people are all aware of what's going on, but um, or at least on the surface, they know that for the most part, whatever supernatural forces are, you know, generally benign. They're they're you know, but otherwise, they they, they know there are demons and they know there are there's magic in the world. Yeah, yeah, they are aware of what's going on. It's um. It's working very well. I'm loving it. I'm loving Paul Grist. Um, One thing I loved about his artwork so far is how things just appear out of the shadow. 
and yet um, nothing looks disjointed. Like that scene where Mercy's going through the, the door with the, the blinds and all that. The upper half of her body appears to just appear out of shadow. Right. But you do get this... Um, you, like you see how her legs moving are affecting the blinds and stuff like that. It does... There is a sense of motion to it and weight. And I think that's the great thing about having a stylized art style like this is that you can make your own rules about how uh, how physics work. Yeah. You can reimagine how physics works. Um, another good one another good one is where you see um, the, the scumbag shadow in the window and then the next panel is the brick flying through. The the the, the, the transition's very good there. Right. Yeah, yeah. Cuz um yeah, you, you see him winding up and then you see him going th- the brick coming through. And the glass yeah. going everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will. I will say I was a little bit confused though. Uh, the newspaper on the front page, Chapel Town. I thought it said Castle Town, and I went, "Oh, so it is linked." So it to is. Chester. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> apparently that was um a little, little oopsie yeah. by me. Or perhaps he did it deliberately. Maybe you know, you know he may. He, he's not above that sort of thing. The other newspapers are also quite reliable. You've got the Times, the Sun, and the Daily Mail all, like, spouting bullshit on their covers because that's the kind of newspapers they are. Are they? So they're all, like, tabloids? Uh, The Daily Mail is um, Britain's equivalent to Fox News. Ah. Yeah, so, yeah. (laughs) Uh, The Sun is just shite, (laughs) read by people who don't like to spend more than five pence on a newspaper. And the Times is a slightly more classy sun. Like the, but like the New York Post. Oh, I should imagine so. That's a. It, well, they're yeah. all like tabloid type magazines. Uh, yeah, tabloids. Magazines, right? They're like, um, yeah, they're not like a regular fold-out newspaper. They're like booklets, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like you look at the Daily Mail one saying demons cause cancer scare. If you replace demons with immigrants, that's basically something that the Daily Mail would say. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Little details like that. Yeah. Love it. Love all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm still digging it. I love the art. I love everything about it. Um, this uh, this whole chapter was basically about... Basically, Mercy killed Nick to, like, I guess, cover her tracks. And then she needs to bring him back to life. So she she uh, employs the this, this uh, local witch to do it. Yeah. And uh, apparently she's got a boyfriend who's a demon from hell. He was a great little character, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, I kind of like how he just kind of kills that guy, and it's like no big thing. Ah, sorry, it's fine, <laughs> it's cool. It's just like sorry about this. It. Oh, it's fine. He's a dick. Yeah, saying that I know people just like that hang about estates near I house, so it's just like if somebody was to come and cave their heads in, I wouldn't mind. Right. I think we all know that uh, that kind of person who. The world would be better off without. I do like the um, the the uh, the the. the oh, it's not Pope. I don't get my Catholic blooming hierarchy. Oh, the monk. Some kind of vicar or something gets blooming thrown off the top of a building, um, or off the top of a tower. It's um. 
Apparently they're immortal, so you can't kill them. I think he was just skilled, so if he gets dropped off a building, he knows how to get out of it. Yeah. Because <laughs> that, that's what uh, Mercy says. She just says, uh, um, oh, oh he's an assassin apostle. Armed with only a bow and arrow, apparently. Which... That was a lovely little detail, how Doogie got shot through the fr- uh, through his forehead. It was just like, oh, ouch. <laughs> doesn't actually hurt, it's just ouch. Yeah. I don't know, it's implied this whole thing was a setup or of some sort, so... Yeah. Presumably it's like, to show that um, Nick was uh, tw- uh, twice killed, right. so that the church aren't going to come after him. I don't know, it's... Um, We'll see how it turns out. I think the next one is going to be like a big explanation for a big explanation and big setup for the rest of the series. It, three parts in, I think it feels like it's going to be a multi-part story. So this isn't going to be the only series. Right. Might come back as a regular, like create her own slot type. Maybe I, I would not be against that. Yeah, more Paul Gris is always a good thing. Um. What were we talking about? We were uh, talking about Judge Dredd a little bit. Uh, oh yeah, I, it keeps trucking the story. I mean, it go—it's going through the motions. Unfortunately, it's kind of doing what I expect it to do. I am still curious, though. Our, our um, guess last month that um, El Maldito is actually multiple people. Yep. Apparently, there have been people masquerading as him. Right. That there is actually an El Maldito. A bogeyman, and we, we we see him in these final panels. I'm Carlos takes a lot of care to make sure they don't reveal who he actually is. I'm thinking if this is Rene's last dread, could it be cursed of Coburn? Oh geez, that whoa! If that happened, I this that would that would make this my favorite strip. Yeah, I loved Coburn. It was um, kind of a shame when Rene didn't write anymore. Yeah. I like Rennie. I like, Rennie. Rennie, Rennie. I like Curse Earth Cobra a lot. Um, I think I missed uh, his his last outing. I think there was one I missed. I really should go back and make sure. The, yeah. The, Although I actually there was one I got I, all of. I guess I have all of it in the Carlos Esquire collection. No, I think there was one that was released afterwards. Oh, okay. After that collection came out, uh, he teamed up with Rico to find a bunch of. Uh, um. Oh, cursed earth trekkers that were missing. Okay, I don't. Yeah, I don't think I have that one. I guess I no. It, it had Guy Lamunger in it, so it was a cool. It was a cool story. Problem was, it was left on a kind of cliffhanger. Of course, it was. Yeah, but uh, the, the Guy Lamunger were like uh, seeking revenge against Rico and uh, Coburn, and then it never turned up again. That was kind of a disappointment. Rico, there's a character who doesn't get used enough. Yeah, especially not since Day of Chaos. We've hardly seen him. That's uh, no, it's it. It does feel like it's it's supposed to be someone we know. Yeah. So I've got my money on Coburn. Well, we'll see how that plays out. I'm not sure how many more chapters this has in it. Uh, I get the feeling we'll probably get the revealed next chapter, and then probably yeah. the conclusion after that. Yeah, it feels like it's going to be either a four or five part. Yeah. Five parts are absolute maximum, but four, I think, is what they're going to go for. But, um, yeah, good. It's R- R- Rennie's always fantastic. Carlos is always, always fantastic. So, it's it's a good, it's good. 
as you say, it's trucking along, but it's not. Um, I think it needs that reveal next next month right. or this month, really. I think it's next week um, for it to be like, wow, holy shit, this is this is an awesome story. But um, I don't know. It's got a great Django vibe going on. Quentin Tarantino spaghetti western kind of thing going on. I'm I'm liking it. It'd certainly be an interesting reread if it was ever collected. Um, speaking of collected, um, Storm Warning. Uh, I don't know. I don't think uh, Rebellion's got any plans for Storm Warning and big plans for Storm Warning because it's getting lumped into the Britsit Noir collection. Yeah, <laughs> that's an. With um, oh, what's the other one? Um, oh, it's Strange and Dark. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. It's um, that's an odd collection. That it's, it's like you've got the two well-known creators forefronting it. Um, uh, John Smith, not not John Smith. Uh, it is John Smith actually, isn't it? Indigo Prime. Yeah, yeah. All the, yeah, it is. And um, I think it's a spin-off. Of, Colin uh, McNeil. It's a, it's a spin-off of um, Devil and Wolf, right? Devil and Wolf. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, that was a great story. Absolutely loved that uh, a few years ago, and that is another thing from the magazine that is sorely missed. As is Devlin Wharf, actually. Anything by John Smith, because he only Anything makes Shapiro by... votes once every three years. Yeah. Uh, oh, we had Indigo Prime last year, didn't we? Oh, Shit, oh, that's right. That we did. We're not going to see him for at least another twelve months. <sighs> but um, no, Strange and Dark, Devlin Wharf, both of them could make a return, and I'd be very happy. But I'd. Put particularly like to see more strange and dark i was always in the assumption that we wouldn't see it collected at least outside of a devil and wharf right because it's a direct spin-off yeah it's like he was even on the cover of the recent uh blood tides collection right. cliff robinson did a new cover and uh inspector dark was on the cover of that i seem to remember there's this big story arc between the two that was set up like ages ago and nothing's happened of it yeah, yet. Yeah, I think I, I think that was like one of the earliest magazines I read and I've been waiting for its return ever since. Yeah, and uh, obviously uh, Strange and Dark itself was a great, great little series. Had a fantastic Wicker Man vibe to it. Uh, it was probably my favourite Britsit-related series by a, by a long stretch so, Storm Warning, in comparison, is... A lesser work. A lesser work. It's more like one of the poorer Armitage stories than yeah. anything else. Just, well, so, that's what's weird is, um, I'm surprised they didn't put Armitage in here. It does feel like it was supposed to be an Armitage story, doesn't it? Especially considering that already has a psychic... Right. Well, what I'm saying, what I mean is, there's there's no uh, book version of Armitage, right? They've all been like magazine collections. Right? Oh yeah, they've all been floppies. So yeah, so you, it almost feels like Britsit Noir would be make more sense to like collect all the old Armitage stuff into a, in a book format. I, I wouldn't actually mind seeing Armitage get a book, like a big omnibus book, right. because it overall it's. Not as dull as Storm Warning. Right. There is a lot of good stuff in there. Like there was the fairly recent one with uh, Patrick Goddard. Yeah, that was the, the, there's like the there's like two or three Patrick Goddard uh, revival ones. Yeah. right? They, they were all really good, and I, I I would like to see them collected. But it's um, Storm Warning 
is like one of the poorer Armitage, one of the more kind of by the books. I will kind of, just it's inoffensive. Just to say something positive about this latest chapter, I like the interaction between um, Storm and the ghost of this guy, where she is trying to get information out of him before he like either a becomes a ghost and like becomes like she calls him a haunter, like he's gonna like be stuck on the material plane as a ghost. But while he like he loses, he gets angrier and angrier and starts burning through with what little energy he has left until he finally realizes he's dead and dissipates to the next. You know. You know uh, yeah, I thought that was that. I thought that was actually a really good bit of um, interrogation, psychic interrogation, just to kind mm. of see the stages a ghost goes through after it dies. Yeah. It's all just a bit too, you know, seen it before because we've seen scenes like that in Anderson a million and one times. So it's, I don't know. To say, I will say something positive um, about the series. I've seen the, every one of these pages I've seen, well, I've seen at least one panel of every one of these on the guy's Instagram page. What was his name again? Uh, Tom Foster. I followed him on Instagram. Yeah. He posted a lot of just the black and white ink, just his inks on it. And um, they're pretty good. Yeah. Pretty damn good. It's kind of a disappointment that it was, as a, well, we talked about this yeah, last time. Yeah, that the colors just aren't doing it. it. Yeah. It's made a hodgepodge of it. I think if it had just been left in black and white, it would have improved it even. But, you know, yeah. what can you yeah, do? What can you do? No, it's trucking on. It's just kind of, you know, not an exciting story for me. But yeah, yeah, as you say, I don't think Rebellion have any plans to give it another, give it another run. So uh, talking about not talking about not giving something another uh, run, Lobster Random. Oh man, I bet you read that conclusion and said, "Oh, I am." Um, yeah, I I feel the rage. That you must have felt in what was it, 2008, yeah. 2009, yeah. thenabouts? Oh my god. A big, massive cliffhanger. It's so frustrating because it would have made an amazing continuation. It would have taken the series in a direction it has never gone before. And God Almighty. What's Carl Critchlow doing now if he's not doing Lobster Random? Well, he's been doing Judge Dredd over at IDW. Well, I think he did the latest Anderson series. He did the Anderson story, yeah. Other than that, though, he's... What's he doing? Well, what he are you doing, did Matt? the last chapter of Trifecta. I think that's the last time he's been in 2008 since. No, we actually, no, he did do a Dread one-shot last year. Remember that. Okay. I remember... I remember that because it had sharks with legs in it. I remember that one. I think it's but, less um, to do with what he's doing and more to do with what Spear, uh, Spearier is not doing. He, he's he's yeah. definitely in the in the U.S. Uh, comic market now. I think he has a Marvel title. Um, I want actually. Let me do. I can do a quick check on that. I think he might be writing one of the new Marvel series that's coming out of uh, Secret Wars. Oh, okay. Isn't he currently doing that one that's got like um oh what's his name Boss Cage, the Dread parody? Oh, you mean um oh no that no you might be right that is um Secret Defenders Se- is it? It's uh, Captain Britain and the Secret Defenders. I want to say. Is that it? Yeah, 
I want to say that's either that might be that might be Arthur Wyatt. Okay. Let me verify. That. I know I know it's definitely written by someone who's done Dread for 2008. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, looking at it right now, Captain Britain and the Mighty Defenders is oh, it's Al Ewig. Oh, okay. That makes sense. All right. Um, Spearer, 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 where are you? You are n- not here. I have no idea what he's doing. Oh, no. I found him. He's writing Marvel Zombies with Kev Walker, who's someone oh, else okay. who should be in 2080 more. Kev Walker's doing a Marvel title. Oh, he's done He's done many. He's done many of the Marvel Zombies series. Has oh, he? Oh, yeah. Kev Walker has been doing Marvel titles for years. He did, uh, oh. he did uh, Annihilation Nova way back. Oh, yeah. Great. What is coming to the world? Dan Abnett's writing Crowback Saga for Secret Wars. Yeah, he, he's also... And Rob Williams is writing Martian Manhunter for DC. Um, I... I'll look it up later, but I, I, I got a good idea. I, got, I think... <sighs> Shoot. I don't have it here. All right, I was going to look up what they were doing after the Secret Wars event because Marvel's launching a whole bunch of new series, and I'm pretty sure all these guys have got titles oh. on the relaunch. That just means less stuff for 2008. Yeah, because they get paid. They get real jobs. Wah, wah. Damn it! I know. Sucks. This is why I'm afraid that they'll take Henry Flint away from us. Like I said, I think he already tried. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just kind of worried now that Carl Critchlow. I, I, the thing is with Carl Critchlow and artists like him is he might be too stylized for the big two. Yeah, he may be. He may be. Which is why I, I don't think Henry he'll... Flint didn't work out. It's because he's too stylized. He's well, Simon Colby. Oh, Simon Colby did the Authority, didn't he? I know his run on the Authority was pretty popular. Right? Was that with? So it's not... so it's not like British artists can't be big in America, especially on established titles. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I can't think of any off the top of my head because I'm scatterbrained, but uh. But yeah, I mean, Colby definitely could make it, um, and has made it. Um, I'm trying, like I said, Kev Walker, he pops up all over the place in Marvel. Um, okay. yeah. It's, yeah, it's a, sh- it's not a shame. I mean, it's good that these guys are getting plenty of, oh yeah, of course, but you know, you want them in 2008 before anything else. And it's just in real life, that's just not practical. No, it's yeah. I mean, there's some guys like, like I couldn't see like Day Israeli going on a Marvel book. Oh no, no, no. Disraeli is uh, having met the guy last year in November. I asked him if you were offered a pitch at anything at Marvel or DC, and, and you were given I don't know a contract for I don't know seventy five percent. I don't know. I don't even know how it particularly works at Marvel or DC. Yeah, I think it's all page give, rate these days. Yeah, if you were given more money than you would have at 2080, he said point blank no. Ah. Israeli said he will never move to the big two. Unless it was for something like Vertigo. Which is a, which is a different kettle of fish anyway. Right. So. right. But, you know, what, what can you do? I'm happy that they're getting work, but... I'd much rather have Lobster Random over a Secret Wars tie-in. 
but this is what nearly ten years ago now. Yeah, and yeah, it's pushing it now, and that's the that's the big trouble is that these books have been on hiatus for so long. It's it's hard to imagine that Tharg wants to like greenlight them to resume without some kind of like. Yeah. I, I don't think it's Matt Smith. Oh, sorry, Tharg. Yeah. Um, say. <laughs> Uh, saying that he doesn't want to greenlight them, I think it is legitimately a problem of the writers just not producing the scripts. It, it, it's just a coordination problem, I think. It's just the, yeah. they have other work, and they are committed to that other work right now, and it's just whenever space opens up, the, either the art, the writer's doing something, the artist is doing something, or the editor's already got something in the slot. It's just, yeah. as more time goes on, it's just going to become even harder and harder to coordinate that, because people are going to yeah. move on. What can you say? So yeah, really, just this lobster random story. I mean, it's a direct follow up to what happened on the Vort, uh, and it, of course, it ties back into the stuff that happened in uh, Book Two with uh, the the otherworldly entity that gave Lobster his uh, his lobster claws as sort sort of like scheme to like get into our universe. And of course, this <laughs> series ends with that entity getting into our universe, and of course, that's where it ends. We yep. never get the follow-up to uh, how is this dealt with. I mean, you could read it as a nihilistic ending, is that only bad things happen? I mean, Lobster tells us flat out to, to run and hide. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's an unsatisfying ending, but it's an ending. Indeed. It's uh, a shame. In, it's just the biggest disappointment in a long time. I think what makes the series work for me is the dialogue, but also the world building. The Vort itself is a fantastic setting, and it's an absolute shame to see the whole planet just get devoured in the last pages, and all the life forms suffer a horrible death. Yeah, it's it is heart wrenching, but also kind of grotesque in a way. But. Just the being itself, the entity that emerges from the other dimension is pure Critchlow madness. It's a fantastic design. Of course, ties in and got the lobster claws on it. It looks like a giant... What are they called? And it's a kind of arthropod thing. Oh, you mean the, um, the, 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 the natives? No, the, the, the god thing. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know what his name is off the top of my head. It, no, it's the kind of thing I'd easily forget as much as I enjoy it. But, um, no, it's a, I was saying about the dialogue, it's just the lines like, it's, you, bacon face, you owe me money! <laughs> and stuff like that. It's like, what are those two guys' names again? I forget them as well. Because they, they, those two are great. Yeah, they were introduced in book two. The, 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 the joke about them is that when they're introduced, they say one is smart and the other is strong. And you assume that the big one is strong and the one with the big head is smart. But the truth is, it's the opposite. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's, that's cool. I like that. Uh, I like, I just like all the characters and everything. So yeah, just disappointing that, that is, I mean, it's a great series, but it just, the way it ends, I mean, it's, you wish there was more. Indeed. It's a shame. Just real quick, I want to talk about the other reprint in this uh, issue, Go Machine. Yes, uh, but this this ran back, I believe, in like 2005 or 2006. Uh, it was early early days for me. Um, if this ran today, it would be a Tharg's thriller because it's a, a quick little three-parter. 
Oh yeah, that uh, it just it's a it's a story about a cyborg in uh, in um in a boxing in, ring in a, boxing. in a xenophobic world that hates Cyborgs. machines. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, you know, it actually almost plays out like a future shock, an elongated future shock, the way it ends. Hmm. But it, yeah, the whole thing is about how the cyborgs are basically abused by society as like they aren't even treated as people anymore. Um, this guy, no, and um. They want to, like, treat him like a machine when actually he's still mostly a man. And now there's, like, all this legislation that wants to give robots rights, too, which, of course, would make them equal to these lower-class lower cyborgs. So yeah. there's a scheme set up to, like, discredit the, discredit the robots from their cause. But it winds up, of course, blowing up in the human's face in the end. Yeah. You probably shouldn't uh, give robots massive weapons on them if you don't want them to rebel against you. In the end, generally a good, good, good thought. I, I, I actually didn't quite remember the entire the the entire story because it had been so long since I read it. But I actually do like this a lot. I think oh yeah, it it's a up. cool little story. And of course, it looks great because uh, uh, Richard uh, Elson is drawing it, and this was before he got on Kingdom, and he he really became a favorite of mine. I think this was probably then the story that sold him to Dan Abnett to be the artist of Kingdom. Yeah, I believe that. It, it, it does feel like the kind of like little small side story that, uh, not necessarily a future shock or something, but a little a little ditty or something like that that um, is used as a sales pitch for an artist or indeed a writer yeah. to get them a bigger running series. I, I want to say this would have been early days for Al Ewing too. Al Ewing. Uh, Ewing, Ewing. Ewing, yeah. It does appear to be fairly early on. This was way before. Let's have a look. What progs was it published in? Uh, back in like 1496. 1496, 1498. That's what? That's eight years before I started reading 2008. Yeah. Quite a while ago. So. Yeah. That definitely was my heyday. That was definitely the period I consider my golden age when when. 2008 was really rocking my socks. I, I really, really liked things back then. Yeah. Um, Did Obviously, Lobster and everything like that was regulars then. Yeah. But now it's uh, quite a bit past then. The, uh, the, the status quo of writers has changed a bit. The artists have generally stuck about. Actually, so that's nice. I, I want to say this ran just before the Vort started, now that I think about it. So anyway, yeah. So yeah, good, good little reprint collection. Good magazine overall. Yeah, looking forward to free. Oh yeah, next. I really want just really quick just about the future shock that was also uh, reprinted. Uh, Spaceland. Oh yeah, this is another one that ran. Nothing really about the story, which is just typical future shock. But when this thing ran in the in the in the prog, I don't know what it was. I think they had like two six page uh, whatevers. It was probably like Strodium Dog and Judge Dread. But whatever caused it, the page layout was all screwed up. And this this final page was printed on the back of the comic, so Ooh. so you saw that before you opened it. <laughs> mm. It kind of spoiled the the shock at the end. Yeah, which is funny because it is a nice little future shock. Yeah. I think it's above average for a future shock anyway. Definitely above average, both in writing and in art, because it's got Bagwell on art. Oh, yeah. Oh, this man. was obviously way before Indigo Prime, way before he got that game. Yeah, le- le- less Kirby Dots in this one, but definitely him. Yes. It's... it's It was fun, but um, 
I did notice a lot of the metallic things and even like the oval cups and stuff like that look very computer generated. Yeah, you can definitely tell he like actually it looks like he did most of his backgrounds in CG. Instead yeah, of just... and this this is like what? Look at what year it's published. Well, this is back in like two thousand uh, two thousand five. Yeah, fifteen oh eight. I mean, as, even as recent as then, computer art was a world apart to his today. Yeah. I think now he, if he does this, he probably draws over everything. Because that's oh, what you yeah. do is you, as a quick hand, you like make the 3D models and then you draw over them so you keep your perspective proper. Mm. But here he looks like he just he just used the CG backgrounds. Yeah, I think it suffers a little bit because of that. Still great artwork, but it's nowhere near as great as it could be. As he will be. Oh, as he, uh, yeah, as he will be. Because I really liked his run on Indigo Prime. So yeah, yeah. In uh, next issue, we got to look forward to some Peter Milligan action when John Higgins on Freaks, which is a series I'm really looking forward to reading because yep. in my early days I read a its sequel series Faces, which I uh, was mostly confused by because I never read Freaks. So hopefully yeah. it'll fill. It'll be yeah. interesting to read them together yes. to to see if they stand up. I just love Peter Milligan. I think they're printing it because he's doing a new Bad Company. That makes sense. Because that starts in 1950. This has got to be the, the, the freaks. Freaks and freaks has got to probably be one of the last unreprinted of his. Uh, well, recently reprinted. It probably got reprinted years ago, but a, 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 yeah. um, a, the dead got a, an extreme edition way back, and uh, most of his other stuff have been collected in in books. So, oh, freaks kind of sounds like the kind of thing that Fleetway would have reprinted as part of their American line of yeah. 2018. They did years ago. I have his Milligan and McCarthy uh, collection that Dark Horse put out, I want to say early last year. It was it definitely wasn't this year, but I got it a while ago, and that, that's a fantastic little collection. That's got, um, it's got part of Sooner or Later, which was from 2008, pardon me, in it. That's getting a proper release soon. Uh, sooner or later, that is. Um, it's got... Uh, oh, what's it called? Paradox, which besides Zenith and Jack Staff, I think is the only other noteworthy British superhero comic. Okay, wasn't that like a prototype uh, of like Zenith? Uh, yes and no, because that was probably what got um, uh, McCarthy uh, the gig of like designing all the Zenith characters. Right. Um, but he d- couldn't obviously commit to it, so. Um, Yowl oh, covered that's through. right. McCarthy designed the, the, the characters of Zenith. Yeah, and I think he did a one-shot later on. Yeah. But um, I, I, he, he did a few of the covers as well. But um, no, Paradox was his take on superheroes. And uh, it's a fun story. Got it. Yeah, I think I, I saw that collection. I, I looked at it briefly, but I didn't actually read it. So uh, maybe I'll look yeah. at it again. Yeah, the thing is, is it's like anything McCarthy. Um, Peter Milligan, you can't look at it for too long because you'll give yourself eye strain. Gotcha. <laughs> good, it's a good collection, though. I recommend it. I just like Peter Milligan in general. Bad Company is one of my favorite things from 2008. I'm mixed on Bad Company. I generally like it, but I think it. I don't know. I don't know. It never really clicked with me. I got to read it again. It's been a while. Nah. I think it. I think it went a little off the rails at the end for me. Well, that 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 return it did i think with stevie Owl as well actually um because brett ewins god rest his soul um didn't return on it 
So uh, Stevie Owl did it. I know that sequel is bad. That is a bad one, but the original Bad Company is a fantastic series. Yeah, yeah I'll, give that a, I'll give that a reread one of these days. Yeah. So yeah, overall, things are looking pretty good. Yeah, indeed. Everything's great for 2080 at the minute. Yep. And we're heading into a jumping on prog at 1500. So if you ever thought about getting on 2080, I don't know why you're listening. Well, you might be a weekly Shonen Jump reader who who happens to listen to these podcasts. It'd be a good time to jump on 2080. Oh, indeed. Indeed. It's fantastic at the minute. Another four, well, yeah, four weeks and then we'll be on, three weeks even, and then we'll be on uh, 1950. Yep. Then just another year and we'll be on uh, prog 2000. Oh, yeah, that'll be, it'll be a fun time, I think. I think. My guess is they're going to probably do something special for it. Yeah, they'll put out more specials, I suspect, because they've been kind of building up that over the last two years, yeah. putting out two specials a year plus the uh, the annual. Right. So, I don't no, know. They'll probably have more I gotta say, over the last few years, they've been doing, Rebellion's been doing a lot to expand. I mean, they're doing all the American comic reprints to get in the American bookshelves. Yeah. I just heard that they, they actually picked up an independent book to, to publish. I cannot, for the life of me, remember what, though. Oh, sh- I didn't know Hold that. Hold on a second. What? I think it's in the thread, uh, the, the, the new, the, the, the forthcoming thrills thread. Let me just check. Oh, it yeah, I do know what you're on about. Oh, what's it called? Gold Tiger? Gold Tiger, yes. That's uh, by um, Gold Tiger. Guy Adams, is it? Yes, it's a Guy Adams series. Uh, yeah. And apparently they're, repr- they're printing it in the American-style comics and not in, and two- not in the magazine, not in 2000 AD. So it's like oh. it's, a, it's an original standalone comic. That's Which is one. kind. Of, it, it, it's not too odd because it, it's British comic. Because I think Guy Adams is British. Oh yeah, he is. And um, actually, I think he had he just had a series run in 2018. We didn't talk about it. It was a Tharg thriller. That was Guy Adams, right? Oh uh, yeah, we can talk about that next yeah, time. Yeah, we can talk about that later. But anyway, the, yeah, the idea here is that if if they might be doing like what Titan does, if they if they expand into sell into uh, independent self publishing. Well, not self publishing. I guess it would be. Yeah. They'd be like they'd but, be like Image for Britain. Rebellion is a video game company. Primary, they're they are a video game developer. Yes, that is that yeah. is their. Uh, they were a video game developer before they got into comics. They bought up. They bought up 2000 AD. I, the I imagine yeah. specifically to get the rights to guys like Judge Dredd and Rogue Trooper for video game yeah. properties. And in they, the early days, they tried. They tried putting out Judge Dredd games. They tried putting out a Rogue Trooper game. But to, to be fair, I've played their Dread PC game. Yeah. Uh, it, it's actually quite fun. It's, it is a fun little um, shoot 'em up, yep. and it was great to actually hear the Dark Judges have voices for once. Right. Um, uh, I haven't played the Rogue Trooper game. I know you could get that on the Wii, but um, but, but it's uh, weird. Their, their Sniper Elite series is probably the most successful series they they have. Yeah, they, that that is pretty popular from what I've heard. And uh, they're they're most well known for their uh, um, Alien versus Predator uh, video games. Oh, really? I didn't know they did. They that. did the right. they did the yeah the original Alien versus Predator. I want to say PC game that everyone really likes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that's why, of course, they had the Dread Alien crossover at that time because I believe they still had the Alien rights at that time. Right. And, and the Predator cool. crossover. Now that I think about it. Because Rebellion had the right had, had had connections to either getting those rights or had those rights. That's cool, yeah. Because they obviously had licensing with uh, Dark Horse, right, and Fox. So yeah, that's that's cool. 
that's good. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been interesting to see Rebellion kind of expand, but they haven't done what I really want them to do. I want them to do a, a digital-only 2080 spinoff. That's like yeah. to take advantage of their digital platform to like push push digital comics a little more. I I think if they do continue down the route of publishing indie comics with Gold Tiger and stuff like that, they will probably buy the rights to publish a you know Judge Dread only comic from IDW. Yeah, I mean that would make the most sense now that you say that that they just do it themselves. Yeah. Do you know what I would quite like to see as a series? This was actually an idea that was seeded a while ago, and someone mentioned it on the forum. The idea of having a Dead World, you know, Dark Judges series focusing on a couple of survivors in the last days of that world, just trying to survive in a world where nothing else is living. Um, that would make, for, I think, for a cool little mini series if you've got the right people for it. Yeah, that could be interesting, and we're kind of seeing some of that in the in the Dreams of Dark World. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's kind of what's happening. But you know, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see if they do release more kind of indie published titles, or even their own. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, that that'd be cool. Because not only that, but um, talking about reprints. Uh, they seem to have finally got the rights for the rest of the stuff that was published in Star Lord and Tornado. That's right, I have heard stuff, especially so, with the Dan Dare collection coming out. Oh, the Dan Dare collection was obviously a different kettle of fish because uh, I think it was the Dan Dare Corporation yeah. who owned the rights to Dan Dare were like, asking for silly money. Yeah. So they've improvised because they realised they weren't making money from it anyway, mm-hmm. so... There's been a lot of Dan Dare recently because there's new audio dramas and stuff coming out as well. So that's cool. I like Dan Dare. Um, but no, they're, they're getting all the Star Lord stuff with like Death Planet, and uh, I think they're releasing Time Quake as well. That, that that's great. That's a great series from what I've read. Um, but no, Rebellion are really expanding at the moment. So it'd be great to see them become like. Um, a companion company to Titan, even. Yeah. Who are really, you know, really the only British comic company. Right. Because obviously Rebellion has 2000 AD and Judge and the magazine, but um, it's not a company on par with Titan, which has uh, Death Sentence Dang and girl. the Doctor Who comic right license and all that. It's, it's a much bigger company. Yeah, definitely. Um,. The only thing I don't like is they use the the American comic dimensions for when they print the, the do the reprints, and so the uh, art is, is smaller. It, it, I think it would be better if they like use the uh, the uh, magazine reprint size. Yeah. You know, but it, I, I understand why they don't do that because American comic readers are a finicky bunch. Yeah, they're pretty steadfast, they, aren't they? They hate black and white. They hate anything that's a, the, a weird shape. If it doesn't fit in a bag and board, yeah. then it ain't a comic. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so um, yeah, that's 2000 AD. Um, everything's pretty good right now. Um, I gotta say the standout for me. Oh shit! You know what we never talked about? What? Inclusion of helium. Oh Christ! I know, right? Oh, um... real quick, guys. Oh, uh, helium ended. Also, we forgot along with Jaeger and Outlier, helium ended. Um, I think the reason why we forgot about it was it kind of ends on like a kind of a cliffhanger. It sort of of ends, which is unfortunate, because it really felt like it was building to something. Yeah. 
It lasted 12 parts, like we suspected, so what, that's three months? So that's a pretty good inning. Um, a second part is definitely, definitely going to happen. Yeah, there's no way there's not going to be one. Oh, yeah. Um, as it stands, it hasn't really, obviously, referenced Amplicrucis at all. Uh-huh. I still I still hold the, the assumption that it is that world. Right. Um, even though it's not confirmed. But, you know... Um, no, love it. Love Disraeli, love Ian Edgington. Great, great series. Look forward to coming back. Great characterization. Everything I love about it. If it only had one weakness, is that the whole uh, she's like secret royalty angles probably a little done, but uh... it's it's the exact same thing that's going on with Ren in Brass Sun. Oh, that's right. She's important for reasons too. Yeah, it is kind of. It seems to be a rut that Edgington's in at the moment. But yeah, yeah, it's it's it it was a great series. I hope I definitely hope it doesn't take too long to come back. Uh, yeah. Either either jumping on Pro, uh, either um, next start of next year or maybe jumping on Prog middle of next year. I suspect it'll be back around about the same time next year. Yeah. So yeah, summer next year seems about right. Yeah, I, I like Helium a lot just because uh, it's got great it's got a, it's got great world design. I I love like stories about airplanes. It's not not enough sto- in. You know, it's got the weird, twisted, apocalyptic world, and it's got some, you know, techno stuff in it with the cyborg. I, I like. Yeah. Uh, it's only now I just realized it's never had a cover. It didn't get a cover, you're right. In the whole 12 weeks it was here, it didn't get one cover, which is kind of a shame. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Especially considering what with the whole awesome massive airships and stuff like that. It would have made a great... Great cover, I think, if it done right. But Outlier got two. Yeah, <laughs> it probably just. To could. be fair, though, to, to be fair, those covers were the best things about it. So. So yeah, um, Helium is great. Can't wait for it to come back. And I gotta say, overall, I'm gonna give this week to Helium just because I think it deserves it overall. For. I'm gonna give it to Dread. You're right. The classic writer, classic artist. Yeah, you're not, you're not um, wrong. Dread ended strong. Yeah. And it's got lots of room to continue, which is always good. Yep. Just hope. Don't want don't want a big epic like this to just wrap up yeah, and end. Hopeful, hope, you need it to tail out. Hopefully, uh, unfortunately, uh, hopefully follow-ups will reference the events or at least acknowledge them. Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if whoever's drawing the next couple of issues is like, next couple of stories even, there's still like ice or snow just melting on the ground. Yeah, just a little. Like it, ha- it hasn't just gone away. Like little details like that, it makes the world. <sighs> All right, just uh, really quick. Um, so uh, as long as we're talking about 2008, I figured I'd talk about a series I got my hands on uh, almost by accident a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was on sale on uh, Comixology. It's called Guardians 3000. Um, it was kind of a, it's a Marvel comic and is in some ways it's a spinoff of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, for those who don't know, Guardians of the Galaxy actually ran, started in the eighties and it was about this cast of characters from like the 30th century. It was almost Marvel's version of the Legion of Superheroes. It started guys yeah. like, um, so it started guys like, um, Charlie 27 and, uh, why do I don't want to say Starhawk? Cause I think it is named Starhawk. And of uh, Star Lord, huh? Star Lord. No, I think it's Starhawk. 
I've I've never read yeah. any Guardians of the Galaxy. What, the only way I'm familiar with them is through the movie. Right, so. right, right. Well, what happened was, um, of course, that series didn't really. It lasted quite a while, but it didn't really capture the world on fire. So it eventually got retired and put away. Um, in okay. the two thousands, uh, Dan Abnett and um, um, Andy Lanning and Keith Giffen kind of revised Marvel's cosmic cosmology. And part of that revival was to bring back the Guardians of the Galaxy, but as a contemporary team of uh, space heroes. The ones from the movie, Star-Lord, Rocket Raccoon, Gamora, Groot, uh, Drax, a bunch of others that, unfortunately, the movie kind of buried because they weren't in the movie. But, um... So they did that, but in early on in the Guardians of the Galaxy ongoing series, they did an arc where a character named Vance Astros comes from the future, um, who, who was the leader of the future Guardians of the Galaxy, and he is the direct connection to the previous version of the team. I see. Okay, so there's a bit of time travel. There's a bit going of time on. travel going on, and and that's sort of how the team gets named. Is that they're they're kind of they're kind of named by by Astros when he when he comes back to the past. Um, of course, Dan Abnett was writing that series, so he did a lot to like to 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 not only write stories about the the current modern day version of the Guardians, but also the future version of the Guardians of the Galaxy. So last year there was a series called Guardians Three Thousand. Um, of course, after the movie came out, Guardians of the Galaxy was relaunched as a as a, another ongoing series, but it was being written by Brian Bendis. Which I, oh, yeah. which I didn't care for because I don't like Brian Bendis as a writer. Brian Michael Bendis as a writer. Okay. So um so anyway, Guardians three thousand sort of comes out as a spin off to take us back to these characters in the thirtieth century that the original Guardians of the Galaxy. It's mm-hmm. being written by Dan Abnett, who of course was the one who kind of architect helped architect this whole cosmic revival at Marvel. Yeah, he did that run a while ago. It was basically the influence for the movie, wasn't it? Yeah, he basically, he did Annihilation, Annihilation Conquest, he did War of Kings. Um, Basically, he did all these maxi-series to, like, kind of reorganize things to to make. And and all of that sort of what sort of inspired the movie version, which has become a major success for Marvel. So of course, yeah. of course, now that it's a major success, they take it from the nobody Dan Abnett and give it to the somebody Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, so the reason why I wanted to check out Guardians Three Thousand is because it was Dan Abnett doing cosmic superheroes, which is what I love. And I gotta hmm. say, it's a really good series if you're looking for action and some weird time travel stuff because it involves like there's something screwy going on with time. There's this there's this girl, and it, every time she dies time resets okay and things are a little bit different each each iteration so the idea is they keep trying to survive a little bit longer to learn what's going on okay uh, it's got a really neat premise unfortunately i didn't read all of it and also unfortunately apparently i didn't realize i thought it was an ongoing series but apparently it did end i'm about four issues from the end Oof. i imagine it ended because of the whole secret wars blowing up the multiverse thing that's going on at yeah which is always the problem when Big events like that happen, and, and small series like this that I like are casualties of it. Mm. Yeah, that's a shame. But I am it's... I am enjoying it a lot. Uh, I wish I cool. I wish I had started reading it when it started. But the reason why I didn't was because all Marvel comics are four dollars a pop these days, 
Yeah, these were, that's kind of what puts me yeah. off um, Captain Britain's Secret Defenders. Exactly. So um, I bought I bought the first six issues of this for a dollar a piece in a Marvel sale, and that was that was just the right price. I'd buy that for a dollar. Right. Um. But yeah, I love Dan Abnett when he's doing stuff like this, and I'll I'll read Marvel cool. comics if Dan Abnett's writing them. That's fair enough. I think my aversion to the big two is not to do with who the creators they pick. It's to do, obviously, with their overpriced, stingy attitude and their over-reliance on movie franchises. Yeah, that, 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 that's that's unfortunately the reality of the business right now. It's you got to gotta kind of piggyback all those big, big movie franchises. Yeah, that's uh, kind of what puts me off. But... Um, I, 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 I'm considering picking up their um, uh, Miss Marvel run, the, the the new Camilla Khan incarnation. Yeah. That's received rave reviews. Oh, yeah. If I get it for the right price, I'll definitely pick that up. Yep. Miss, Miss um, Marvel is definitely one of the standout um, titles right now, as I'm told. It, it's definitely excellent. But, of course, it also ended with the Secret Wars and is going to be re- relaunched, I believe, as part of uh, the Carol Corpse. No, Carol Corpse is one of the Secret War spinoffs. Okay. The the other one that I missed out on was that Revolutionary War series that it, where they revived all the old Marvel UK characters. Right. And, uh, so they brought Death's Head back. And uh, I love Death's Head. I love Death's uh, yeah. Head too, but I hate Death's Head too. Death's Head 2 sucks. He sure does. He, 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 he sucks. He's a product of the 90s and he never aged. Well, you want to know what's great? Uh, during that Brian Michael Bendis run on Guardians of the Galaxy... Death's head. Death's, head's, Death's in head's in it. I know he was in a, uh, an Iron Man comic yeah. recently, and he was also in a Spider-Man comic He's recently. Definitely... It's like the character came back for a couple of issues for like a twenty-four month period, but we haven't seen him since. Yeah, he's definitely kicking around. I, I'd, 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 I'd love it if Dan Abnett could write Death's Head. You know, we, we, we probably never really get an opportunity to talk about him, but um, ah, shit, who created Death's Head? I should know who he is. Did all the Transformers comics? He did. He did. Oh, he. As soon as I find his name, I know who he is as well because he also did all those Doctor Who comics. What's his name? Well, that's actually how Death's Head ended up in the Marvel universe, isn't it? That's an amazing story. Simon Furman. That's the Simon guy. Furman is one of those British creators who managed to sidestep the whole 2000 AD thing and become a big success in general he did all the transformers comics for years a lot of the he did a lot of the marvel uk stuff and i love his comics when he writes them um, yeah i've still not read regeneration one. Oh yeah Didn't yes hit- that is why i like him so much because regeneration one was a great send-off to that transformer series mm. made me a transformers fan again that yeah i need to get on to that but Simon Furman is a man I have a massive amount of respect for, simply because of Death's Head. Just such a great character. And it's actually kind of a pity that he's hes one of those characters that never really, other than his own like 12-issue series, he never sat as, as like a regular. He just kind of popped up all over the place. Yeah. Like he was in Transformers. Well, he, he obviously initially starts as a side character in Transformers. Right. Then he crossed over with Doctor Who a handful of times. Dragon Claws. Well, that's how he ended up in the Marvel Universe. Not in the Marvel Universe. That's um, The whole story is that he... After his fight with Unicron, he got shot into the Doctor Who Universe, where he collided with the TARDIS. The Doctor shrunk him down in self-defense and shot him off 
into the Marvel Universe. He had a fight with Dragon's Claws, became a member of that team, and uh, went on to have a fight with future Iron Man and the Fantastic Four. Yep. So he's been around. He has, yeah. And he's a he's a, he's an interesting character because he's a he's a bounty hunter with no scruples. And yeah. he's a robot, and sometimes he's a giant, and sometimes he's not. Yeah. He's he's cool because he's he's an inconsistent character, but the inconsistency is part of the fun. Yeah. Because you can do whatever you want with him because he has no continuity. Um, but no, it's I think I'll probably check out that Guardian three thousand series at some point. Yeah, it's good for the right. I need I, I just need to check out more Dan Abnett uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I would recommend going all the way back to Annihilation. Oh, okay, and I, so I, Annihilation was a great series. Hmm. Yeah, I'll I'll talk you through how to read it at some point in the future. Sure. It, it, uh, the Marvel cosmology, the whole... I must admit, one of my favorite things from Marvel was the Mobius run on Silver Surfer. Ah, uh, yes. I loved that series. And if there was more... If, if the cosmology of the Marvel Universe is a lot more of that, then, you know, I'm all, I'd be happy to read more. So, um, what about you? Anything else you want to talk about? Um, one, well, talking about Mobius, actually, that's a good side way in. Um, Mobius is, of course, one of the legendary European comic writers and artists. Uh, well, more of an artist yeah. than a writer. But, um, I definitely wish I'd read, I've read of, more of his, but unfortunately, it's lack of opportunity. Yeah, not much has been translated, I'm afraid. Uh, one of his peers, however, is a man named Hugo Pratt. Uh, Hugo Pratt was an adventurer and an all-round bit of a tough nut he was in the um italian military during um the build of the first world war not the build of the first world war blair i'm thinking of his character now this is the thing he wrote a series called quarto maltese or the ballad of salt sea um it's about a adventurer of mixed ethnicity uh it's um about an adventurer um he his name is Corto Maltese. He was born in Malta, but he's half Italian and also half um, Caribbean. Doesn't know who his father is, though, from his um, Caribbean side. And the two books that have been published this year are called Under the Sign of Capricorn and Beyond the Windy Isles. They form the Caribbean suite where he travels to the um, the Caribbean islands and has a series of small adventures there in between his large... What's, what sets Quarto Maltese apart from the other kind of small, vignette European comics is that it had a series of ongoing story arcs. Like, he, he Quarto Maltese would travel to, I don't know, um, Africa, and he'd have a series travelling between all the different islands in Africa not islands, countries in Africa. And then there'd be a series in Siberia and a, si- a series on Ireland. Um, the, the Caribbean series, he is travelling between all the different Caribbean islands. Okay. It was also like kind of a follow-up to the previous story. He kind of um, lost most of his family and friends in the previous story um, in, in, a, in a dodgy job that went wrong. And um, he's kind of remorse after that fact. He's a different character. So he's, he's come to the, the, the Caribbean to relax and mourn and, you know, stuff like that. Um, but he's been pulled into a series of new adventures. And um, 
the problem is with IDW starting the printing of the series with these two books is they're kind of dull in comparison to Ballad of Salt Sea, which was put out by Titan a few years ago. Okay. Uh, Ballad of Salt Sea is a sprawling epic. It's uh, World War One espionage. It's uh, a thriller. It's got uh, deceit. And it's a fantastic story, but it's... it's it's, it was the first of them. He didn't plan to do any more, so it feels kind of self-contained in comparison. And so, are these new or are these reprints? Oh, they're reprints. They, they. Oh, sorry, I should have mentioned these started way back in the the eighties, okay. um, and he finished them up round about two thousand and four. Uh, Hugo Pratt passed away in two thousand and nine, okay. I believe. And his the rights for the series have kind of been in limbo ever since, so they were never properly translated. Titan printed printed a few, then you said. Titan printed, yeah, the first one, but it was a it was a crap book because they didn't print it properly. I see. So it's it's one of those dodgy ones, you know, where they didn't do a proper good job. But um, it's it's hard to put into words because it's like all long running series, you can't just describe it in such terms. I'm sorry, I'm making a bit of a hash of this. Yeah, it's fine. It's, um... It's... You know how the adventure series, uh, the adventure genre has kind of got to the point now where it's... There are certain cliches they have to hit. Quarto Maltese was kind of like the beginning of the adventure genre in comics. Or at least in the European style of... uh, Kind of like um, very stylized artwork and storytelling... It's um, it's a bit. I am making a hash of this because I don't quite know how to describe the series in an appealing way because it is a difficult title to sum up in just a few words. Sounds really cool. Um, I kind of wish. I'm, I... I'm sorry about that. What's up? No, sorry about that. I I, uh, I kind of lost a trend of thought there and rambled a bit. <laughs> it's fine. Um. It sounds really cool. I do kind of wish uh, it was on Comixology. You said uh, IEW publishes it, but it's not available. I wonder if it's because it's only got like rights in Europe. Possibly. No, it is being published in America. Oh. Hmm. Um, but um, I don't know why it's not on Comixology. I would have thought they would have put it up on it. I don't know. Maybe it will someday. Maybe. Uh, what I've found with that, it, it is an artist edition because it's... Unlike with all the IDW artist editions, it's on a higher grade paper. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe it's. I don't think any of the other artist editions show up on, on uh, Comixology either, so that may explain it. That's probably it. Uh. But no, it's 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 in it's it's a fantastic little series. But the problem is, is as I say, there's so much in those two volumes. I'm finding a little difficult to to put into a few words to where to start because. The first volume that they put out under the sign of Capricorn is actually the third volume. Gotcha. So that's, that's so, a little screwy. Um, it is a little screwy because obviously Titan put out the second volume ages ago, but the first volume was published later than the first three, if you know what I mean. The early years are a series of prequels, and that made the first book. But it was like, it's like if you were to say Ballad of Salt Sea is the first issue, right. then early years would be a half issue or a zero issue or whatever. Okay, so they were written They were written out of order. They were written out so of it's order. So like, it's like the Inkle, where the Inkle and then uh, the, the sequel was a prequel. Yeah. Okay. It's, 
it's all a bit screwy the way IDW are um, printing it. And I think that is a bit of a detrimental effect. So they're printing it in in story order, not publication order. Basically, okay, yeah. yeah that, that... But the problem is, is in story order, it would have made more sense. Right. Because skipping straight to the third book, they're skipping out a lot of the stuff that was in the second book, which is integrally important yeah. to the Caribbean suites. So it's, you know... I think they made a mistake there, and it's actually not a very good introduction. I think if you were going to like check it out, uh, wait until Ballad of Salt Sea is put out because that's a fantastic comic. Okay. Hugo Pratt's a very stylized artist though as well, so he's a bit kind of like Marmite. Some people love him, some people just don't get it. Right. Uh, it's been described as Alex Top, but even more scratchy. Okay. Well, that sounds cool. Mm. Um, anything else you can think of? No, I, I think uh, that's about it. That is about it for me. As I said, I've been reading... Uh, I read Jack Staff, Everything Used to Be Black and White. Okay, and that's go- good. I'm going, I'm going to save reviews of that for when I get the other free books. Okay, fair week. enough. Um, uh, I, I read a bunch of manga this week, the, 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 this month, that I'm going to wait till the Jump episode. Uh, I got some more JoJo's Bizarre Adventure under my belt, and that new Ultraman series. Got a lot to say about that one. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to what you have to say here about JoJo because, as I said, it's one of my favorites. Other than that, uh, not much else. Nope, that pretty much sums up everything I wanted to talk about. All right, so uh, yeah, thanks for listening to. Uh... Weekly Comics Monthly. Um, of course, you can always write us at weeklycomicsmonthly at gmail.com with any questions, suggestions, or really anything. We'd love to hear from you. So, yeah, and of course, um, we'll be back again in a couple of weeks with our uh, weekly Shonen Jump cast, which I think is going to be pretty exciting because a lot's gone on this month. Oh, yeah. Ooh, we'll have. Um... I'm actually way behind. Uh, I'm three issues behind. I'm, I'm very bad. Ooh. Yeah, I gotta get caught up. I am gotta get caught up is all. I think you're gonna like Hero Academia this month. Yeah, it sets yeah. up a lot. Yeah, it's a uh... oh, and One Punch Man. One Punch Man was amazing this month. Okay, good to know. <laughs> so yeah, that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening, and like I said, we'll be back again in a few weeks. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I've got a lot to get on with uh, the next couple of months, but I will always have time for my comics. Always have time for your comics. Always have time for your comics.